Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What is up, sports fans? Uh, this is just a game with Rob Kerr, although we are, are trying something new out, and I am not Rob Kerr. So um, welcome. Thank you for, for joining us on this fine Friday, St. Patrick's Day here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, we're excited. This is going to be something new. This is my first time hosting a hosting a show like this. We have a, a pretty stacked lineup. We've got Cami Kepke. Uh, she should be joining. She literally just walked into the studio. She may join us right away. She may join us in half an hour. We haven't figured that out yet because uh, I'm flying a little bit by the by the seat of my pants here. So I'm um, excited for that. Uh, we have Derek Dennis coming up in about 15 minutes from the Calgary Stampeders. Excited to talk to him. Busy offseason for the Stamps. Um, sort of my first time really talking to any players um, over the last couple of months. My, my job for the last seven years has been covering the Calgary Stampeders for the Sun and the Herald here in Calgary. So really excited. Uh, long time. I guess, colleague. I, I don't really know how we describe him, but Derek Dennis is one of the best people in the CFL, and I'm really excited to do that. Uh, then we're going to check in with Rob, who is in Ottawa right now, and we're going to hear all about what he is up to. But um, yeah, to start, I am Danny Austin. Um, I am a sports reporter at the Calgary Sun, at the Calgary Herald. I've been a guest here with Rob before, but um, mostly I cover the Calgary Flames. And Perhaps unsurprisingly, um, that's what we're kind of gonna gonna start with here. Um, huge game last night, seven uh, two win over the the Vegas Golden Knights. First time the Flames have ever won in Vegas, and um, sort of keeping with I don't know the story of the season. I can't figure these Calgary Flames out. Uh, I'm all turned around, upside down. Can't figure it out at all. This is a game that, to be honest, if I if I'd looked at the schedule, I probably would have said um, this is their their hardest game of, of sort of this five to ten game stretch. The Golden Knights obviously lead in the Pacific Division, uh, a building where the Flames have had a ton of trouble. Not how it played out. Um, Flames won seven two. There was literally a point in the third period where I went to the washroom and it was five two, and I came back and I, I didn't realize for ten minutes that they'd scored two more goals. So um, this was a pretty incredible game um, from the Flames. You had Jacob Peltier sitting. You had Walker Dewar. It, it just felt midway through the second period when when the Golden Knights tied it up that it was going to be another one of those games um, where potentially it didn't go the the Flames way, despite them playing pretty well. And then that. All got turned on his head. Tyler Toffoli, four points. Um, boy, has he ever proven that he is a, a top-line talent this this season. Um, Jacob Markstrom, back where they want him to be. And I think if you're if you're looking for a reason why this team is winning games, I think that um, he's 
obviously a major, major part of that. Michael Backlund still, in my opinion, playing the best hockey of his career. We're, we're just in this weird spot where all of a sudden, you know, last weekend, I think a lot of us were talking about, okay, you got to just accept that the Flames aren't making the playoffs. Now they're three points back of Winnipeg. Uh, they have a head-to-head game with Winnipeg coming up at, I believe, April 5th. All of a sudden, if I was a betting man, which I am not, but if I was a betting man, I, I think I'd be putting on my, my money on the Flames making a bit of a run here. They've won four of their last six. They got points from five of their last six. They're playing pretty good hockey. They are are beating good teams. Um, sometimes they're not beating bad teams, which I, I can't figure out for the life of me. Um, it remains an incredibly frustrating um, trend that, you know, the, the games on paper you think this Flames team should win, they they just sort of don't play their best and they play down to the, the level of the opposition. But last night's game, I don't know. I think it's a, I, I think it's a really, really, really big win. And I think that to be honest, it, it changes the complexion of these last sort of 15 games coming down the stretch. And I, I think anyone who was sitting here and saying, Oh, we don't think that the flames are in the, in the playoff fight, which I heard a lot of last week, saw a lot of on Twitter. Um, to be honest, I contributed to it a little bit. I can't deny that I, I'd given up, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm back on board. I think the Flames are going to are going to make a push here. I, I think Winnipeg. There's a lot of worrying things going on, and that's that. So, Cami, are you are you joining? What's the plan here? I'm here. I'm Kay. willing. I'm able. Um, <laughs> all right, Cami Kafke. Here we go. Um, oh. I'm really happy because I, I was like, I got to talk for 15 minutes here. Um, my good friend Cami Kafke, the it star sound of. Long. Pardon me. It's a lo- 15 minutes doesn't sound long, but it's a long time. I don't think I've ever spoken for 15 minutes. Like I, um, my mom, growing up, always like made sure I was conscious of when I was speaking too much. So this is like counterintuitive a little bit for me, just speaking on my own. So I'm really happy that you're here joining me. Tell me, how you doing? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah? yeah. You, you have not partaken in any St. Patty's Day fun um, this St. morning? St. Patty's is out for me. I think I did my um, more nefarious activities last night. Okay. Playoff curling in Huntington Hills. How do you guys do? Terrible. Terrible? No, you know, we won three ends in a row. We did lose. Okay. I was sparing. And the problem is I used to curl a lot and we were like provincially ranked and then I didn't curl for a thousand years and like broke my back. And now I can ju- I can judge my line really well. I can judge the speed. I cannot execute. Shoot. And man, is that frustrating. But... Sorry to hear it. So you guys done? Season's over? I mean, I was a spare. So it was on oh. Natasha Stanishevsky's team. Oh, Natasha, our yeah. good friend. Uh, formerly of TSN, now with, do we say CSAC? CSAC, yeah, yeah, I guess. Flames, Stampeders. Um, it was awesome. So yeah. was it all women's team? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And we had a great crew. It's great. We got to get you out there. Now, Julian McKenzie of The Athletic is saying he wants to get into curling, so we might need to get like a little media league going here. I'm bad. I've only curled twice. Um, I, As everyone says, it is far more difficult than sort of you anticipate, but uh, I like drinking beers and hanging out. It's so. the ultimate degenerate sport. Yes. And the puns oh, are endless. That is amazing. Um, we'll call our team Bond Spiel Joby. Um, (laughs) with you curling did you have a chance to watch the flames at all last night Uh, no because i thought it was going to be a loss honestly Mm -hmm. i thought they were toast i see uh pelletier and walker do out of the lineup i'm like yeah i'll watch after but i think i have a feeling about how this is going to go and the grand flames tradition of fuck your expectations continues yeah are you with me that Kind of changes the complexion of a lot of things i mean i know it's one win and like one loss can can flip that on its head really quickly and it feels like we've been sort of doing that dance a little bit now for, for well over a month. And I don't want to overreact to one win, but you I know, it is about wins and losses. It's about points in the standings. And I do feel like this win sets them up right now. 
season over season, I feel like following the flames can be a, a bit like when you hit an icy patch when you're driving and you're drifting and you just don't want to like, you know, the danger is just auto correcting too hard. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really easy to do with the flames. So I'm going to say cautiously optimistic right now. Uh, with the schedule help they got last night, you look at their odds of making playoffs. Some places it looks like it's jumped up to 39.5% and like 19% in other places. So it's like, yeah, honestly, realistically, it's somewhere in the middle of that. If we're being fair. Yeah. But they like they still need to just, they need to string some things together. I know. I mean, like it- they Honestly, it doesn't. When Huberto and Weger and Kolschwent were traded to Calgary in the summer, a lot of people said that they wouldn't call it a win unless they were also signed to long-term deals, which obviously Retro Living eventually did get done. If it's a win now, who can really say yet? But I think this is only a big win if you can follow it up with a big win against Dallas on Saturday. In yeah, they played bizarre, well against Dallas in general this season. They did. There was a bit of that meltdown. They were still able to uh, get away with the win the first time they went down there. But, yeah, you know, they hung on. They've had some pretty uh, stellar performances there. And there's no reason why the Flames wouldn't be able to get that second win and build some momentum and potentially get within one point of Winnipeg. But well, that's the thing. their hands still. I mean, I think that when you look at it, the fact that they have that head-to-head game against Winnipeg is what, like, you don't have to be, you have to win that game and then basically be one point better than the Jets in the rest of your games. And right now, like, I do think that the Flames are playing like a team that is better than Winnipeg right now. And I think that if we went back a month, all of us, you know, it was the only thing anyone was talking about was Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom. If he can just start playing well, you can win a couple of those 2-1, 3-2 games that they weren't winning at the time. And now he's doing that, right? So, I mean, like, what I at least, I, I can't speak for everyone else, but what I thought was missing was that, that, that goaltending that steals games. And I think you're getting it right now. Um, which is why I just, I have a lot of confidence and I, you know, I often try, you know, I follow a lot of Flames fans on Twitter because I think it's important to understand what fans are feeling and what they're thinking. Well, and now the algorithm will, even if you don't follow them, they will exactly. force you to follow them, <laughs> the, which is the, nice. Yeah, the for you. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I just, I, a little bit right now, and I guess I haven't really checked this morning, but my, my attitude towards the team just feels very disconnected from people who are are angry about it right now. I just over the last week and a half, two weeks, I really think that they have turned it around. You know, wins in four of their last six, points in five of their last six. It's hard for me not to look at that and be like, "Hey, well, you got nine of twelve points. That's that's what you need to be doing." The problem is that the bad is just so bad. I was disassociating during that Ducks game. I think a lot of people were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they can't, they, they need just to. can't, they can't do that again. And, you know, I think we had some similar feelings like this when they played Buffalo and blew them out and Dylan Dubé had a career best four point night. Mm-hmm. And then they collapsed against Ottawa, their next game in the third period and they end up losing in overtime. So we just don't need to see a repeat of that. They kind of have a chance to rewrite the script in a way right here. Yeah, I mean, I think this this Dallas game, it, it's the point where I feel as a writer, like it's, I, I feel ridiculous because I could honestly write this next game is must win for all of the last 25 games of the season because that's the position that they put themselves in. It's they need to get the two points. But like Saturday really does feel big. Does. <laughs> I mean, because you go to California, you have LA and Anaheim, I think Monday, Tuesday of next week. I mean, I'm not going to, again, on paper means nothing with this Calgary Flames team, and I recognize that. But I, I do think that you would expect to get, you know, two or three out of the four points there, and and that's a successful trip. But this home game against an elite team where I know it hasn't been perfect, but you've, you've played well against, um, you know, is a potential playoff matchup again. So, you know, if you're in the eighth seed, it's going to be them or, 
um, or, or Vegas. So I, I, I don't know. There's no excuse. And I just, again, if Markstrom's doing what he's doing, obviously we're past the whole Dan Vladar is going to get any games. It's going to be Draco Markstrom for the rest of the game down the stretch. I think Michael Backlund is playing the best hockey I've ever seen him play. I, I wrote about this last week. I think it's the best hockey of his career. Um, I think Tyler Toffoli, as I said, to start here. I mean, I don't know if I can call him a superstar, but Wes Gilberton. I wrote, think he should have been going to the All-Star game instead of yeah, Nazem Kadri. I think, I think no, he, knock on Kadri. He's, I have thoughts on that, but he's, he's had a good season, yeah. but it's dried up a bit recently. Yeah. And Toffoli has I'm done, curious, you look yeah. at like the shootout goal last week, you look at the, the goal with what, four seconds left. Toffoli's come up really, really, really big in big moments. And I, I think that because the Flames have underperformed as a whole, there's been an understandable focus on the negatives. But I, I do think that the positives are, are starting to build right now. And, you know, if it wasn't for a couple depths, I, I very much think this is a playoff team. And you give me Jacob Markstrom playing the way he is. And if I was a betting man, that's where my money is on them. That's the thing. Like, I, I think we've said this a couple times, but, you know, like if they got in, they're going to be, they wouldn't be an easy out. The game changes once you get to the postseason. And I think especially like who's been their best line this year, mm-hmm. Coleman, Mangiapane, Backlund. That is a line with some teeth that could really cause problems for people in the offseason. It's why Blake Coleman has the deal he has and why he's on this team. Now, you well, said and- that Markstrom is going to be like a given. Yes. Down the stretch here. Yeah. Well, and totally I mean, fair. do you keep in Nick Ritchie? What do you do with Walker Dewar and Jacob Peltier? I am strongly like I love what Walker Dewar brings to this team. He brings a speed uh, and an energy, a physicality that I just like. Honestly, I, I think is just he makes that fourth line so much better. Um, so I have a, I have a hard time. Like I, I didn't, I have not dug in to why he was left out of the lineup last night. But like I, I, I've tweeted it. I've said it quite publicly. I don't understand how he can be dropped. I think he has shown that he isn't everyday NHL player who makes this team better. So no, I want Walker Dewar in. I want, I, I can't understand how, if he's not playing in 90% of the games down the stretch, that feels like a mistake to me. But at the same time, I said that before the game yesterday and they won seven, two. So, you know, Daryl Sutter knows more than me. <laughs> so <laughs> like, there's no question there, but yeah. I, I Do mean, you think he, we, we'd get like better results in scrums if we started questions with, you know, more than me? Possibly. Um, I wonder. I mean, I, I don't think that ever telling a football, football or hockey coach that they know more than you, like they know that they know more than you. Um, so, no, I actually resist that a little bit. I once told Dave Dickinson that he was right after an answer. Like, just naturally, that's that's how we came across. Like, you're right about that. And he was like, I know I'm right about that. Like, who are you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, anything that helps us get better answers out of Daryl, I'm excited about. But, um, yeah, I, you'd agree, right? I mean, Dewar's got to be in the lineup. He has to be part of the plan right now. I think he's been really exciting. I, Ruzichka, we've kind of had comments in a similar vein about his game from Daryl, where there's a lot of skill and a lot of talent there. He's not sure if he's necessarily always using it the best way, which I think kind of accounts for some of those lengthy stays in the press box. Jacob Peltier had, like, sure, he had uh, dried up a little bit production-wise, but he was still doing some really good things. He had one gap against Anaheim that was really his only major mistake that sticks out in my mind. I still would have really liked to see them in. Maybe that is just like the mini jolt that you give a team, take away those uh, sparks mm-hmm. just to see if they can do it without. For sure. Um, I'd like let's to see get, him back in though. Let's get back to that. I am very excited. We have Derek Dennis on the line. So I want to get Derek in here. Um, I'm going to put on my headphones so that I can hear him. But Derek, uh, you there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, 
You down in Arizona right now? It looks a lot nicer than it is in Calgary. That may that may not surprise you. <laughs> It's nice, 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 nice. 78 degrees, sunny, no clouds, no clouds. Can't beat it. That is amazing. Um, well, I'm going to lead with like the obvious question. I think last time I saw you, you had fractured your fibula. Um, how you feeling, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm standing on my own, two running around, being able to move, being able to move. I'm working out, working out. So, so I'm feeling, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. That's awesome. So, I mean, how have you basically been? I know you had. At some point on Twitter, hinted that you were even going to try to play if the Stamps made the Grey Cup. I don't know how realistic that was, but you've been you've been able to work out, you know, do your offseason training basically in full this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, still in the rehab, rehab process. process. I'm still taking, still care, taking care, of care of my ankle. ankle. That is strong. That is strong. But, uh, but, uh, I've been in the gym, been in the gym, been squatting, been squatting heavy. heavy. I've been running, running sprint, sprint. Um, doing my doing football, football stuff. stuff. Uh, I feel I'm pretty good. good. Doing all the stuff that I'm, I'm able to do, so right now uh, can't don't really have too many too many complaints about where where I need to be. That's amazing. Are you at the point where you're like starting to get that that itch? You're you're ready to go, ready to get. I don't know if you want to be back in training camp. Like I don't want to be back in training camp, and I don't even have to like practice. But yeah, um, honestly, honestly, I'm at that age now where um, you know I got a family, so. This is my time of year where I get to be at home, be with my kids, be a dad more, kind of be more involved uh, with them and the things that they do. And uh, you know, I, I had a I had a little boy during the season last season, so I got a six month old that's you know kind of growing. So it's nice to be home this time of year and kind of see his progression and, and be a part of it because it's something that I missed uh, with my first two. So um, honestly, this time of year, man, I just I'm, I'm just enjoying being a young dad, making sure I'm able to take care of my family, enjoying this beautiful weather and sun before. Uh, for work has to has to begin. That's that's three you have now. Yeah, I got three kids, man. I got two Dang boys it. and a, two boys and a little girl. Oh, you're busy, eh? <laughs> busy is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, well, I got to ask. I mean, ha- I, I'm sure you have been paying attention to the Stampeders off season. It's been pretty crazy. A lot of sort of guys in, a lot of new guys out. What's uh, what's your impression been? Just of uh, you know, the team you guys are going to be. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's, it's it's football, man. I've been in this this business long enough to know that um, things like this happen. You never have the same team every year. Um, I'm happy to see you know a lot of guys kind of move on to, to better opportunities in a sense, I guess, for them and being able to be in different cities. Um, you know, it looks like a lot of teams on the East is kind of it's kind of about two teams. That's kind of Calgary East now. I guess you could add Hamilton to the mix with that. So. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's just you know, parity is good in the league. It, it makes the games more competitive. It makes them more fun. Um, I guess now I'm kind of the elder statesman in the locker room. I think outside of Renee and uh, Aaron, I'm probably one of the oldest guys in the locker room. So, uh, it's just kind of you know, it, it is what it is now. I just gotta gotta take on a different role. I guess from when I joined the league, um, you know, the Jawan Simpsons, the the Keon Raymonds, the the Brandon Smiths. Like, I guess that's the role I gotta play now. You like that role? I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because you are that guy, and I mean, I've been covering the team since 2016, so you've been like a consistent for me. Even though there have been, you know, two seasons, I guess, where you weren't there, but like that is how I view you. Um, do you is there? Is it just? I mean, basically making sure the young guys know, hey, this is the Stampeders way. This is what the expectations are. Yeah, I think that's pretty much supposed to be my role this year is to be that that uh, elder statesman to come in and show everybody this is how Calgary Stampede is operating. This is how we play football, and to um, just just kind of be big. I've always had that role of big bro with a lot of guys. I mean, like 
Diedrich Mills is out here in Arizona in the offseason. I always hang with Diedrich, man. He's like a good friend. You know, I'm, I'm an old lineman, so it's nice to get around the running backs. Uh, Kadeem lives in Tucson, which is two hours away, so I get to bump into Kadeem here and there. I've seen Colton Hunchak out here. Um, you know, he was out here for the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm always, I've always been kind of that big bro presence, the guy who's always uh, kind of accessible to everybody, who's always, you know, building that camaraderie and building that that brotherhood, that leadership, because that's always what's made our teams very successful is that we've always been a very tight-knit group. So I guess I, I, I've always been carrying on a legacy even even when I wasn't uh, realizing – when I didn't realize I was. I, I have questions. I have a lot more, but Cammy, do you – Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I mean, Derek, we know you as, like, a really passionate guy, a team guy, a family guy. And, you know, you've been putting your body on the line for years for this job. I'm just curious. Like, you've got the hardware. You've got the recognition. What's your why now? Honestly – that's a great question. I think, I think now my why would probably just be more my, you know, just kind of give my son an opportunity to see his dad at work, man. Uh, I think now as he's getting older and he's starting to realize who I was and what I've been, like every day he always talks to me, be like, you oh, know, dad, you know, you play football, right? Or dad, you know, you used to used to play, you know, uh, championships. He'll see my jerseys, he'll see the footballs around the house, he'll see the trophies, and it's kind of like a, I see the smile on his face when he's able to say, hey, my dad is a, you know, as a pro athlete type of thing. I mean, the kid is blessed because he also had an uncle who played eight years in the NFL. So, I mean, he's surrounded by by football greatness. So, um, it's just it's just one of those things. I think now it's just more about finishing my career on a high note, finishing the way I want to finish it, and just being able to just you know make my family proud. It's funny because I, I find like whenever you guys have the families in the crowd, whenever the kids come up from the states, like you guys put on a show. Absolutely, when you put in the stadium. Well, it's rare opportunities, man, especially for us guys who have families in the States, man. They don't get to come up and see us every week in every game. So when they do come up, it's kind of an added, added, you know, caveat to play well because, you know what I'm saying, you never know if that's your last opportunity for your kids to see you live in action. So you want to leave them with that, that impression that, that sticks with them for a lifetime. You mentioned the whole Calgary East thing. Obviously, that was Toronto last year. It's Hamilton this year. Like, it was so emotional for me, to be honest. Like, having covered the team for so long, Bo's last game at McMahon, seeing him come in on the West semifinal, all that, like, it meant a lot to me. Bo was an important guy in my career. I know how much he meant to you, to a lot of longtime teammates. How quickly is that going to become, like, a rivalry game? Like, is Bo going to, like, I assume he's the type of guy who will be texting you guys, talking a little trash, doing all that. Eh? No, honestly, honestly, Bo probably he might with a few guys, but knowing him, he probably won't. I think he's probably going to be more revved up to prove it on the field. I mean, it's kind of a bummer with the CFL scheduling that we don't get him to come back brutal. to the man share, which is a which is a brutal miss in the sense of marketing and everything. But I mean, that game in Hamilton is probably going to be rowdy. I'm sure Bo's going to be itching to put up a 500 yard game on us, you know, kind of just more of a, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of comes with being an athlete, man. You're a competitor. He's one of the most ultimate competitors I've ever been around in my entire life, man. So I know him, he's going to come into that game. So hyped up, so revved up to, to prove a point and to prove that he's still the guy that we've always known him to be. And I, I honestly, I mean, I expect him to be that next year. I mean, I would hope, you know, if the stars align, we get uh, Hamilton, Hamilton Calgary Great Cup. The stars align, but that would be that would be so awesome. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the season plays out. Do you kind of relate to his journey here, where he says he's trying to prove that he's still that number one guy, and just he's not going to accept being second on any team? Do you kind of do you feel where he's coming from on that? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I mean, I've been around Bo a, a lot of years, man. I know his mindset. He's always walked into any room that he's he's the best guy. On, on the field right and that's kind of 
what made a lot of us successful. The same way with me, man. I always feel like every time I step on the field, I'm the best offensive tackle that's on the field, regardless of who's out there. So um, that's just the, the mindset of being the ultimate competitor, and that's kind of what made us very successful in our career and able to do the things that we've done over over the years. Speaking of, you get the O line any presents over the years? Uh yeah, he did. He always did, man. Um, I think one year, the year I wasn't there, he got them some Oakley glasses, like an Oakley glasses set. Um, one year he bought me a PlayStation for, for like, as like a present. Um, he's giving guys like, uh, he's always like come to me and be like, Hey, you know, what should I get for the O-line as a, as a gift? So, I mean, Jay got some high standards to live up to, man. I hope, <laughs> I hope that, I hope that new money Jay got, he coming with some gifts for us. Um, speaking of just like the standards, this offensive line last year, like at the end of the season, I, I did my best to make sure you guys all got sort of the all-star nods and what have you, because I looked at it, this team ran the ball. Allowed the least sacks. I mean, you guys, in my opinion, was by far the top unit in the league. Did you get the recognition you deserved at the end? I, I think maybe one or two more guys should have got some love. Um, I think Zach Williams was probably one of the best left guards in the league last year, but he's a young player. Um, I hope he doesn't fall into the, the pitfall of what happened to Shane Bergman, man. It took, it took people a lot of years to realize how good Shane Bergman was, and he didn't get his recognition until his very last season. So, um, and that's, that, that's the, the, the messed up part about it is offensive line is not one of those glorious positions, right? It's not a position that racks up a lot of stats. It's not a position that everybody pays attention to. You can really kind of only grade it based off of how well the offense is playing. And even sometimes that doesn't really tell the whole story. So um, I think for us, we've always been a well-coached group. I think Pat Delmonico is probably one of the best offensive line coaches, if not in Canada, in, in football in general. Man, he's one of the best offensive line coaches, one of the best instructors teachers that I've ever been around so I know um the way we're coached we're we're, we're have a high expectation of what's expected of us how we play what we do how we carry ourselves so it's always made well for for um you know having some continuity right now you know body change that's part of the game but we've always kind of remained consistent and I guess like you said I've always been one of those faces that you can always kind of rely on to be around kind of let guys know how we operate what it is I've always prided myself on, on playing at a certain level to force everybody else to kind of up their play as well. That's that's kind of what I've always done. So, um, yeah, it's just we're just going to try to keep, you know, continuing to get better. Guys are getting more experienced. Guys are getting comfortable. We got some camaraderie, some gelling. So I expect this to be a, a, one of the best units in the league again. Well, it's crazy, right? Because four of the five guys, I mean, Julian Jones obviously signed with the Eagles. So that would be, for people who don't know, starting right tackle. But to you, you got Zach, you have Sean McHugh in the center, Ryan Sevier. Like, you guys are all back. So this unit, I mean, there's no reason to expect a drop-off. You, is it, you know, that right tackle spot, is a guy like Josh Coker? I mean, you, you would know who, who should be. I mean, it's probably going to be it's probably gonna be open competition, knowing us. Um, uh, we've always been a group that had a lot of guys who kind of the more, the more you could do, the better. I mean, a lot of people don't mention him, but Bryce Bell could be a candidate. I mean, Bryce Bell's a guy who could play inside and outside. Um, uh, he's been in the system for about two, three years now, so he should, you know, be revved up. Hugh Thornton is a guy who has, you know, four or five years of NFL experience, a lot of football behind him, so he's a guy that could be in contention. And then you got to hope to see, you know, what type of young guys you bring in that can be able to either elevate or surpass, right? A lot of people didn't know who Julian was two years ago, and he was a guy who came in and be able to play well, and now he's got a second shot in the NFL. Yeah, so I was, I was a guy who kind of walked off the street, no one knew who I was, and then, you know, I end up being the most outstanding lineman the next season, right? So you look, kind of look for those type of situations to kind of reoccur. I know lightning doesn't strike in a bottle all the time, but we've been a pretty consistent team and a group of finding really quality offensive linemen that can kind of mesh well into the system. And finally, one more. If there's one thing that, like, fans have kind of asked me about, it's been 
the receivers, to be perfectly honest. You like, I mean, particularly the third American receiver, you have Malik, Malik Henry, you have Reggie Bagleton. You came out, I saw at one point, and you were like, don't sleep on Trey Odom's Dukes either. Um, obviously, they brought in Tommy Lee Lewis, but I'm just curious, like Trey, Trey Odom's Dukes, just tell me about him. Why, why is he a guy who you think people should be keeping an eye on? I mean, I mean, think about it, man. Uh, Eric Rogers, Kamar Jordan, right? Guys who have unknown big body receivers, guys who can run routes really well, can block, can play the game, um, you know, kind of well-rounded game. And I think the couple of showings that Trey had um, last season, he kind of showed that he can he can be one of those guys if he's given that opportunity. So I'm excited to kind of see what, what he can come in and do. Um, he's definitely going to be an X-Factor, right, guy that nobody really knows about. Think about it, you know. We had Marquis Thambles a couple of years ago. Nobody thought much about Marquis Thambles, and now, you know, he helped Toronto win a great cup, right? <laughs> Think about, um, you know, like I said, KJ. KJ was a guy who was on practice squad for a whole year, and then he finally got to play, and then all of a sudden he's one of the best receivers in the league, right? Same thing with Eric Rogers. So um, I think we uh, do a great back, job. I mean, you include Mark and Michelle, a guy not a lot of people was paying yes, attention. Mark as well. Mark has been yeah. in the NFL for the last two, three years, man. Exactly. So okay. we, we, we've we uh, – receivers, we always had a good job of, you know, I think they've always done is having – Good receivers kind of waiting in the wings, right? I've always compared us to the Patriots of the Patriots of the NFL. The same thing in New England when I spent my time there. It was always you knew the starters, you knew the guy who produced, right? But they always had guys who kind of fit that mold, fit that fit that uh, system, sitting kind of sitting there on practice squad, waiting for the opportunity to be able to show the world that what they could do. So I say, um, if you're worried about a drop off, I mean, it's been what 10, 15 years. I think you're gonna have to keep on waiting. No doubt. Uh, I said one more, but I want to ask. One last one. My first three years, you guys were on top, 2016, 17, 18. Then the yeah. Bombers, let's be honest, kind of took over. I know they didn't win the Great Cup. So I guess it's a two-part question. Are the Bombers still, or is it the Argos now, the team that everyone's trying to knock off the top? And second of all, that era of Stampeders versus the last couple of years of Bombers, head-to-head, it never happened. We never really got those two powerhouses facing off. Yeah. What would happen if you guys, if you guys got – If I'm saying – if I'm picking teams – I mean, I would say the best Bombers team in the last couple of years would probably be the 2020 team or 2021, I would say. 2019, they were, they were again, you got to remember, they went on that run as a playoff as a playoff seed all through the playoffs, right? So nobody really expected that. Um, but they got a great core group. So if I had to pick between the 2022 Bombers and the 20, let's say 2016 or 2018 stamps, I'm um, taking us by far. No by far. You got to think about it. 2018 defense, 2016, you're talking Alex Singleton, uh, you're talking Thurm, you're talking uh, Jagarid, you're talking Micah, you're talking um, Vodders was there. Cordero uh, was at the top of Cordero, his game. Cordero Law, like you're talking about guys who are like ballers, right? Up and yeah. down. You know, we had Trey, nobody knew Trey, but we also had, um, you know, uh, we had a bunch of like a bunch of players. Smitty was still around, you know, like it was just guys up and down that defense, right? I think that 2016 defense probably to this day, one of the best defenses in the history of the CFL. So, um, well, Winton and, was the backup. Like, Winton was just like a backup. Yeah, Winton was a special teams guy. Yeah, so you guys had – and, like, Nate joins the next year. So you guys had Singleton and Thurman both go NFL after yeah. that. And Winton becomes a starter and goes NFL next year. Plus Nate yep. comes in. And plus goes Nate. NFL. Like, four linebackers in, like, 13 in months. Two years. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that, that defensive line we had in 2016 and even 2018, I mean, I think 2018, what, Micah had 14 sacks as a D-tackle? I mean, like you, you're talking about a D line from inside out that was just kind of just ripping everybody up, man. Like it was, it was, it wasn't. Even, and in 2016, what we went 17 and one that year. I think we lost the very last game of the season against Montreal when they sat all the starters. Like, 
I mean, that was a that was a dominant team. Like for us not to win the Grey Cup that year was just kind of mind boggling. So, um, twenty seventeen. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so. But even Botter's coming back, like he's up here the other day. He was giving like Micah Johnson so much credit for really bringing him along when he came in, and you know, like he didn't have that traditional journey. He had the torn bicep, and everything really took a crazy road to get him up here. And now that can just oh, those set the tone for so many careers. Hey, honestly, man, but I, I think it's been the West has always had really good regular season teams, but for some reason, it's always been a trend of each team's kind of pulling it out at the very last game of the year. So, um, I mean, Don't we get your blocked. You gotta, you gotta not allow your kicks to be blocked, Winnipeg. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, honestly, honestly, man, I wouldn't say Toronto's a team to beat, but they are defending champs, so they got to get that respect. But. I mean, it's always going to be Winnipeg's going to be the cream of the crop. Now, do I think um, there'll be some other teams that we don't expect to have good years? Um, I think I think that'll be the case this year. Um, people may be bad at me, but I think Edmonton's probably going to be actually really be kind of good this year. So I expect them to be a top three team in the West. Um, Interesting. That's kind of the trend of Chris Jones, man. Normally, first two years, it's kind of bumpy, and then all of a sudden, they start whipping everybody. It's normally because their defenses are, are very good and they're very tricky. And he finally, when he finally figures out the right bodies in his defense, it kind of makes it a tough matchup. So um, I think this year in the league is going to be a lot of parity. I mean, I don't really know what's going to happen. Who knows what's going to happen? You just got to you got to go out there and play the games to see. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Sorry, one last one. How happy are you for Alex? I'm super excited for Alex, man. That's my, that's my, that's my, that's my guy. Man. I actually text him. I text him. I was going to meet up with him because he was out here for the Super Bowl doing media stuff when he was trying to figure everything out, man. But I've always, like, even the whole season, I always keep tabs on my guys, man. I always try to root for them, text them, call them, make sure I'm, you know, encouraging them, man. But Alex, man, it's long overdue, man. He's been putting up 100 tackles for the last two, three seasons in the NFL. I mean, come on. Like, the, Crazy. the dude the dude is one of the best linebackers in the league in a sense of making plays and doing what he needs to do. And he's a smart, cerebral football player. So I'm, I'm happy for him, man. He deserves it. Man, I appreciate you. I always have. You've always been good to me. And honestly, it means so much. So thank you so much for taking the time. I can't wait to see you. Guess what? Two months now. So. Hey, yes, sir, man. I appreciate you, Danny. Thank you, too, Cammy. All right. You guys have a good one. See you. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Derek's the best. Derek is going to take all of our jobs one day. I know. I know. <laughs> I, know. I don't want to tell uh, the bosses at, at TSN what to do, but hire that guy. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, he's he's just, honestly. He's... He'd be like, you know, like what Kevin Bieksa is to Hockey Night in Canada. He'd just be such a fresh perspective there. Completely. I listen to anything he has to say. Well, it's interesting, too. Like, he he talks about having that role now of, of kind of being the leader and, and having to sort of integrate these young guys into the Stampeders way. And there's just no one you'd rather have in that role. Right. And it's important to have that now, because I think when we talk about the Stampeders as a superpower, realistically right now, it's largely based on reputation mm-hmm. from that era of teams, because reality is they have not won a playoff game since then. Since 2018. Some, yeah. some things, uh, sure. Some injuries, you can't do anything about that pandemic. You can't do anything about that. But some of those playoff losses were on things that you yourself could control as a team. So that's something like they've got to tighten it up this year. Cause I think any more playoff losses. And I think we kind of have to like, just officially close the chapter on saying perennial threat. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think they're a perennial threat. Um, you know, I, I genuinely believe that, that the 2021 year, um, you know, they had the one bad day Rene Paradise has ever had in his career. He missed a couple field goals. They they probably they should have beaten Saskatchewan. And and honestly, it's why I asked Derek, but it bums me out. I mean, I, I know the reporters in Winnipeg. I, I know people within the Bombers organization. And 
the Bombers very much view the Stampeders as like that's the rival. That is the big rivalry between those two teams, at least in terms of sort of competitive rivalry. Um, maybe not the fan bases. Obviously, there's something different. But we've been waiting for the Stampeders to kind of get over that. Get over that. Hump. Fans were collectively robbed. Yeah, completely. Robbed. We want to. I want to see those two teams in a big time playoff game, um, and we just haven't gotten it um, because the Stampeders have, have stumbled. And I, I do think that you know there's blame to go around for what happened in the West semifinal, but. Um, they didn't get a great game from the quarterback. Um, they didn't. They were a running offense last year, um, and they really got away from that, which I didn't like. Um, there were a couple third down calls that just ultimately I don't necessarily know they were bad calls, but the execution wasn't there. So I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's every sport, but probably more with football is you There's can always so much more. You know, could have should have exactly. There's just those couple moments in the game, but those are the game that, that that's what defines a football game, right? It's um, the butterfly effect of every play. Exactly. Yeah. No, perfectly said. So, um, yeah, but I, I think this is a huge season for the St. Peters. And I do think the fact that they brought back those four, four out of the five offensive linemen, the one who left went to the NFL. So it's not like he left for greener pastures mm-hmm. in, in the CFL. Um, and you want, I mean, uh, for people who aren't close followers of the CFL, like you are always rooting for guys to go make their money in the NFL. It's so much more money. We're well past the point where we're looking at it and saying, oh, you should stay here. Anyone who thinks that, you don't care about the athletes if that's what you think. But then it's hard. It's like, in a way, like, I guess you'd compare it to maybe the AHL where the more you succeed, the more your franchise is punished in a way because all of your top players are just going to jet off. We're seeing with Cavalry FC, they produce all these great players and they're getting scooped off by European clubs. Like, two of their former players just uh, got named to Team Canada yesterday. Yeah, and Dom Mix, the Tour, and Dom then there was Zator, another one. And Victor yeah. Latoury. Okay. Yeah. Calgary, Calgary boys. Well, and I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think that in these leagues that aren't, don't have television deals worth billions of dollars. I mean, ultimately, like they, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not going to call them feeder leagues or whatever, but, you know, if you think about a big picture, Tommy Wielden Jr. at Cavalry has always talked about that, about, you know, this is about creating path, pathways, giving people opportunities. And now all of a sudden, for the first time, you're a young Calgarian, you know that there's probably a pathway towards you being a professional soccer player if you're good enough. There's a way to do that. So it's obviously like a positive, but I know what you're saying that year over year, you want those guys back. And I do think that the Stampeders, there was such a focus this offseason on the guys they lost. Obviously, Bo Levi Mitchell, Jameer Thurman, Fuller and Armalade, Sean Lemon, big, big, big names, mm-hmm. big impact players. But I do think they've done like a recent, they've done a good job of like that defense still looks good to me. Oh, I think the defense looks yeah. great. Um, the defensive line, you have Mike Rose, the best defensive tackle. Um, Wigan, like they have experience like with Waters too coming in on the edge. Exactly. Yeah. A guy who knows the system, um, is an NFL talent. We saw him stick around. I mean, he got chances with three NFL teams. That's not for nothing. And he played too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at linebacker, I mean, he brought in, he brought in Mike Awe. Um, I don't know that he is a Jameer Thurman. I don't know enough about him. I, I was very sad to see Jameer Thurman go. I've sort of been on record about that. He's one of my favorite people. Um, another one of those guys who I think really, really did a great job establishing what the Stampeder way was. Um, I don't know if you were there, but like the pre- the media availability with Bo before his last game at McMahon, mm-hmm. we all had him and Bo was doing the whole, uh, you know, focuses on the win, the focus yeah. is all the win. And then Jameer just came in and would not allow that to happen. And like basically brought tears to Bo's eyes. I love that about Jameer. He did it so- all the time. He did that with Judge too. Cause like Cam is like, you stick a camera on that guy. He's not super chatty. He's, you can tell he's like really intelligent and everything, but like some people are just a little more soft-spoken when the camera's on them. And Thurm's always a guy who's going like asking the questions, jumping in on the scrum. Exactly. Yeah. Bringing out their personality. He wants you to. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sad to see him leave, but I, I by and large think like, Look, they got Reggie Bagleton back. They have Malik Henry back. They have Kadeem Carey. These are elite, elite CFL players. I mean, Kadeem Carey, 
if it wasn't for injury situations, would probably still be playing in the NFL. He's he's so good. You have Diedrich Mills. You have four fifths of the offensive line. I suddenly started looking at it, and I think I want to see what Peyton Logan does again. Exactly, he was just a spark plug to watch. And he did some ridiculous stuff last yeah. year. And you yeah. want Jake, you want Jake Mayo to take a step. Mm-hmm. He needs to take a step. But I think that that offense can be better, um, truthfully, than it was last year. I want to see if like Hunchak or Hawk Navani can be the one to truly outplay each other for that yeah. position. And they brought Rice and John back too, who's six foot six. So yeah, it's it's exciting. And I, I mean, anyone who knows me, I, the great gift of my career has been covering the CFL. It's it's the thing that I love most, and I love covering the Flames too. But um, you know, I, I'm just I'm excited for these guys. It's great to talk to Derek because. You know, if people don't know Derek Dennis, they should. He's he's an amazing guy and is so intelligent um, in both like his approach to the game, but also he's a family man. There's there's just a lot to like about him. So he went to school for broadcasting too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he should be sitting here. I recognize <laughs> that. Um, my jacket's nicer than his, but uh, <laughs> I I was kind of surprised. Like uh, you really have some. You worked some pastels. You have that in the, like a lilac oh, jacket. That's how I always know I see you when I'm. Around I wanted around. the Flames Nation. I wanted to make an impression. I wanted them to be like, yeah, that, that dude, that dude knows what's up. I think I did. I look good. I got my, I got my shirt buttoned up right to the top. What are the kicks though? My shoes are quite dirty. They're, oh. they're dunks. They're Sean Cliver um, dunks that I got from us or no, I got from the source. Um, want a raffle for them, but I've worn them for two winters and they are no longer the baby blue that they're supposed to be. Alas, so I'm not going to put them on game. Um, okay. I'm not. Um, That's fair. What are the best kicks you've seen? Like, I know you've, like, you keep tabs on these things. You figured out where Elias Lindholm gets this hoodie, which sneakers yeah. Blake Coleman's wearing, Bo Levi's uh, sneaker collection. I hear that's formidable. But, like, who's got... There is a um, Nike skateboarding. Uh, like, there's very rarely crossover between, like, the SB um, lines and, like, the Jordans. But there is a Jordan 4. Uh, it's white with sort of a forest green, like a British racing green um, on it as well. And it is a Jordan 4 crossover SB um, coming out that I think is the shoe of the year. Uh, it's retailing at roughly $300. Um, so I don't know that I'm really going to go after it right now because, as you know, I'm sort of flying back to and from Vancouver a little bit at the moment. So, um, but yeah, let's move on from that. Those are an amazing shoe. If you look them up, Restricted they are. Restricted free agents um, over here. <laughs> they are on nice kicks. Uh, the Twitter account, if you want to see them, they, they sort of had really nice shots of them. But. I will say Blake Coleman has the nicest shoes on the Flames. Um, apparently, that is that is his wife who takes care of it. I've asked him about it, but he has a couple of really nice pairs of Jordans. He buys one a year, um, and he, yeah, the man—he's a man of taste. That Blake Coleman. Um, going back to the Flames, what are you expecting against Dallas? A win. I think you gotta, and I want it to be. I want this to be Kadri's game. Yeah. Because I've looked at it like he scored twice since the All-Star break. He's played a lot of hockey. He's played a lot. But he has nine assists down that stretch too. And I looked it up. The Flames are 23-9-4 and four when he has a point. Okay. Yeah. I know that Daryl was saying like specifically as it comes to him and Huberto mm-hmm. that when they when they are contributing on, on sort of the offensive end, um, that's when the Flames win. Things are and, clicking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean – you're paying Kadri to obviously, you know, be one of your best players. So it's time for you, you'd like him to do it. But um, it's just, it's such a, like, the season's been so weird, right? Because I, I think Kadri's been, like, by and large, I think you got to be pretty happy with his contributions, over, like, for the whole year. Yeah, I think 
just with his style of play, you can tell when he's like kind of gripping his stick or not really trusting what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like he'll have the nerve to say, I'm going to dangle these three players and get stopped up pretty quick. Play goes back the other way. All right, we're going to go try again. But like when it's, it works, it works. And I think maybe expectations were really high after that coast to coast goal against the Oilers right at the start because that mm-hmm. was dynamite. Was it Brett Kulak's ankles he broke? I believe. So. I don't remember, but I believe you. This is I you have was, a I think it was eye a, for details. I think I it was formidable former flame Brett Kulak that he uh, dusted on that one. Mm-hmm. But I would, and he also just like brings that energy when he does contribute. It's that extra lift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's been a great addition. To be honest, yeah. like, and I, I do think like length of contract, people can. You had to pay for prime. You, exactly. We knew that's what it was. That, and so I, I like ultimately, yeah. The Flames needed to make that move, and I'm happy that they did. And I think it's like largely worked out. I, I just there's no part of me that looks at the Flames this season and thinks Kadri is the issue. No. Um, it's just, and I, I think that they position him on Huberto as Huberto has been working through his sort of struggles, and that probably hasn't been ideal for Kadri's production either. But I, I think it's sort of starting to come together. Um, I didn't pay super close attention to them yesterday. Obviously, sort of to Foley, and then. Like I just I can't stop watching Michael Backlund. Like honestly, it's just it's amazing to see a guy at his age who's been around and you're so used to what he does and just see it be sort of ten percent better. Um, you got to slap the C on that on that jersey next season. I wonder if because his contract's up after next season, maybe thirty five. Mm-hmm. Will they? hold back the C for that reason alone because you don't know how much more time you have with him. Although to be clear, I would love to see Michael Backlund be the captain. Yeah. He's been heart and soul. He's playing some of the best hockey of his career and you can tell he's feeling it. Like he's bringing a lot of passion. Guys are calling him out as one of the leaders in the room. Rasmus Anderson has had a ton of praise for him. Oh, that's what we were talking about with Derek Dennis, right? I mean, it's, I, I do think that he, having been here for so long, I do think that whatever the Flames way is, I mean, I think the Stampeders talk about that more than the Flames do, in part because there's been so much turnover at head coach over the years, probably. And like there have been different regimes and they've they've gone through a lot. But like whatever that is, whatever it means to be a Calgary Flame, I assume that Michael Backlund is one of the ones who both embodies it and then and passes that on to the other guys, right? And that for me, I would I I think it would be a crying shame to see Michael Backlund in another jersey. So I would hope that it would be a priority for them. I do, I have no idea what the money is. I am not good at that stuff. That's that's Ryan Pike. Um, you probably have a better sense of it as well, Cami. But um, I, I would assume that trying to get him for two locked up for two or three more years, there's been no decline whatsoever. In fact, I think he's still on the ascendancy. Um, so I'm assuming that that's something that they're going to be working on this. And if you get him for two or they three should. more years, I think he's, I think he should be captain. He's just. He's everything you want in a Calgary Flame. Because I wonder, I'm trying to think back, maybe someone can send us a message or DM us or something. But I'm curious because I wasn't here really at the start of Mark Giordano's tenure as captain. I wonder how we would compare how these players were viewed by the fan base before Backlund would theoretically get the C and before Giordano got the C. Because I do see a lot of similarities in them, obviously different positions, but (laughs) that little bit of bite to their game quiet leadership, and then just, again, quietly doing so much in the community. Like, yeah. we saw everything Geo did. He won awards for it, the Messier Award, paying for people's freaking groceries during the pandemic. Backland does a lot of that stuff, too, particularly with, like, Pets for Parachutes, the ALS Society of Alberta. And a lot of that is with his wife, Frida. I'm, I'd be curious to see how uh, 
we compare how fans view him now to way, the way Gio was viewed before he got the C. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I mean, it was interesting. Like Gio obviously got the C, you know, when he left. Yeah, at, at when he left, and then there was, you know, it was. I don't know if it was positioned as a rebuild, but it certainly was meant to be a rebuild. So he sort of guided, you know, them through a, a pretty tough period. And I, I don't know, like that's not what the Flames are doing right now. Um, whether people, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I know there are people who are now like, oh, they should have blown it up last summer or whatever. I, I, I don't believe that that was possible. They're not. They're they're trying to contend, and I mean, they have a very short window to contend. So it's a bit of a different thing, I think, giving any player the captaincy when you are ostensibly going for a Stanley Cup. Whether we believe that that's possible or not is a, is a different question but i just think that like there's a part of it that i captaincy i guess like why not right other than we know who's wearing the c we know he we know he's the leader we know he's the guy right no i mean daryl <laughs> oh fair i don't i i don't know but but i mean i i think that backland's a daryl type of player right i mean i i think he fits with what with what daryl wants he's obviously so responsible defensively um you know, his his offensive game this year has, has has taken a huge step forward, in my opinion. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like I believe he's on pace to set a career high. He's on pace for it, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is like in points. Which again, this is not a twenty five year old, right? Like this is a guy in his in his it's early his birthday. Yeah, is it his birthday? It's there was birthday. a honestly, there was a Swedish. Um, I guess NHL Sweden has a has a Twitter, and they they said something that I didn't understand because. You know, big news for you. I'm sure I don't speak Swedish. Do you speak any other languages? I do. I speak a little bit of French. I'm not going to do it on air because I have a horrible accent and um, whatever. Like, if French is like sexy and and beautiful and like the language of romance, me speaking it is the opposite of all of that. Um, I, I, but I am. I, I do. I have somewhere at home my official uh, bilingual certificate from being in French immersion growing up. So. Uh, shout out Lisa High School. Shout out North Lee Public School. Um, was it Chris Tanev who was from the rival region of Toronto from you? Can well, you so basically, that? basically, I mean, like, a there's no one from like the actual city um, who is in the NHL, so it's very rare. So I do know these things, but basically, um, back in the day, Toronto was divided into sort of five separate cities, and and the one of those that I grew up in was East York. I lived in a community named Leeside. And Chris Tanev um, lived across the bridge in East York. And um, he lived in the same small community that uh, one of my very best friends, Sean Bruce, lived in. And um, I did reach out to Sean and was like, oh, did you know him? And he was like, Danny, like we're seven years older than him. Of course, I didn't know a nine-year-old when I was 16. Um, but yeah, that's my, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the same way that I'm sure many people from small towns um, are proud of anyone who makes the NHL. Um, I sort of get to claim Chris Tanev as being from my neighborhood, even though I'm sure his neighborhood, well, this neighborhood didn't like my neighborhood in general. So, yeah, but it's a, it's a big success story for Lee side story, little, but he's not like he's, he would be mad if I said he was, he is from East York. He's East from, York. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Your, your so, Lee side story. Yes. Lee side is part of East York, but yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, so who's the most famous athlete from, from your, from your hometown? I mean, I'm distantly related to Jamie Huscroft, who played for the Calgary Flames, and Theo Fleury called him the worst skater he's ever seen in his book. Okay, that's pretty exciting. Which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but Kootenays overall, we are going to claim Ray Ferraro, Adam Deadmarsh, the Niedermeyers, Steve Eiserman. Okay, that's a big one. Definitely claim Steve Eiserman. Cranbrook, don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Uh, Dryden Hunt. From the Kootenays, a newly acquired Calgary Wrangler. Actually, my really good friend used to billet with his family. 
Okay. I thought he's a good guy. Huh. You have a lot more than in my neighborhood. Yeah. We also have like a lot of like, we had two Team Canada volleyball players, the former captain of Volleyball Canada. We had a couple talls in the mountains there. Okay. A couple tall people running around. Um. Okay. Since we're sort of on the like, you know, the greats, this is a question I asked Rob when I was a guest on his show last time. Um. I've somewhat, it is worth noting that Cammy and I went cross country skiing on Tuesday. So not, you know, we can act like this is spontaneous, but I did tell you to sort of prepare for this question a little bit. I, don't and know I panicked a lot about it. Okay. Um, I will also say that cross country skiing nearly killed me. Um, a lot of fun. But... You're the only person who didn't fall. I know. I face planted. <laughs> Dylan went left when he should have went right. Gauche when he should have went droit. Yeah. I mean, you guys also went significantly faster than me. Um, and anytime we hit a hill, I just snow plowed and like refused to get any speed. But regardless, um, this is a question I like asking because I, I am of the belief that Calgary does a horrible job of honoring its, its sports history. Um, I am giving you right now. I'm not telling you where they are built. They can be built anywhere. They can be built in front of city hall, in front of the saddle dome, in front of the new arena, in front of the man stadium out at Windsport. But you get three statues. We're going to do these like beautifully, fully commissioned, you know, amazing statues of Calgary sports figures. They can be any sport. They can be any any time period, any anything. Give me your three and explain why for each. Let's go one by one. I'll go controversial yet brave. Okay. The net from this year in honor of all the posts and crossbars hit. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just I'm kidding. I mean, I think my that. first one, my first one's honestly super easy. I think it has to be Lanny. It has to be Lanny, right? It has to be. Um, like, uh, honestly, like, I mean, growing up in a small town and not getting to go to a lot of arenas, like, the first time I ever went to Montreal to Centre Bell and seeing all the statues outside, like, I felt the mo- I felt the magic. I wasn't a Habs fan. I was there as a reporter. I was like, oh, no, I'm buying into the hype, like, immediately. It captures a moment in time, and I think it's got to be Lanny, and it's got to so be I- after the goal. When he's doing like the the pump, yep. that is the moment. I don't want Lanny with the cup. I want the Lanny Selly. And like I've heard arguments for like a Jerome or whatever. Now, I mean, I think it has to be someone who won a championship. I, I, I just don't agree with building statues for people who didn't win championships. I don't really want to unpack that. I just think that like this is a team that has won a Stanley Cup championship. That is what ultimately needs to be celebrated above all else. So that is why I think that Lanny is a no-brainer. Um, and I just think it would be like, cool, you're showing up at this new arena in 2045 or whatever, whenever it gets finished. And I mean, I remember going to like, there's no team in professional sports that I hate more than the New York Yankees. Um, I want to wear their hat so badly. I just don't want the logo on it. I think it's the best colorway for a hat in professional or to be honest, a piece of apparel, but I hate the Yankees, but I remember going and like arriving at the, at at the Yankee stadium and feeling that history and, and seeing them honor. I think it's so important, but you don't honor it unless you want a championship. You can, if your team has never won a championship, build all the statues you want of the guys who got you third place. I don't care. But if you want a championship, the guys who won the championship should be the ones getting the statue. I mean, outside of Vancouver, I know they got the statue of Roger Nielsen, the dowel. Well, I mean, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I think that. that's fantastic. That's a turning point in uh, franchise history. That's where the rally towel came from, Fair Vancouver. I, mean, I think that's fantastic. But yeah, no, good I think for Vancouver. They've, they've been second place twice. Good for them. Um, excuse me <laughs> um, three times three times okay that's, that's you, a, you're trying to trip Vancouver I'm I would never try to trip Vancouver I just think it's really cool that they got it's second three place times twice. and they technically won as the millionaires thank Sorry. you very much uh, go Grizzlies um <laughs> second statue second statue see I spend so much time around Stampede Park 
it could go one of two ways for me, but I think winning out for me is Ed Whalen. Okay. I could also go Bret Hart. I think both of those are good options, but we're going one of the two. Okay. I'm going Ed. You're going Ed. Okay. Their contributions to both and the community as a whole. And the fact that uh, my nine-year-old cousin who lives in BC and is a massive Flames fan knows who Ed Whalen is okay. somehow understands the catchphrases. I think that says a lot about his staying power. And I think if there was a new rank, I think you would need like a Bret Hart Hall. That's okay. what I would like to see. I'd like to see like some section where just everything is pink and black, kind of decked out like the Hitman bar. Yeah. But that's kind of like how I would like to see Brett honor because I think he's bigger than a statue in a way. That's fair. I, I think there needs to be something in this city for Brett. Um, I would love to see a statue. I will say, if you have not been to the Hitman bar, I didn't, I mean, I was just there for a media event, so I can't pretend, but it is amazing and, and you do really get it. It, it. It's beautifully done. They've done an incredible job sort of making sure we understand the history, both of like Bret Hart, but also of, you know, professional wrestling in, in Calgary, which I'm not the biggest professional wrestling fan. So um, it was really cool to learn about and also just kind of go back as a, someone who was a kid in the nineties. Um, it was cool to like revisit that. So, but I do agree with you that, I mean, Ed's a great choice. He's an absolute, he's a legend in this town and did so much to build the sports culture. After we finish this, I do have a wrestling question for you, but Okay. Yeah, and especially like with Brett too, like the the hold he still has on the city is super cool. Uh, like covering the game where, uh, the team was honoring him, adding his banner to the rafters up by uh, yeah, and gets left. Yeah, like I was there with you. It was really cool. And afterwards, I went downstairs and I'm like, I want to buy the Brett Hart jersey. I need to find this jersey, like yeah. the all pink one, and couldn't find it. And I ended up like texting Brent Gibbs, and I'm like, Do you guys have any of these anywhere? And like they're straight up sold out. Like these are, I mean, the Hitman do such a good job do, with their with all of their jerseys. So shout out to them for that. I think it should I be their it. permanent logo. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know why it's not, but I want that hot pink jersey year round. I love it year round. Um, let's go number three. Number three. I'm torn. Okay. I have a, uh, I have two. I was gonna go Haley Wickenheiser. Because as far as I, I think it's a great choice, all she has is that little rink in Silver Springs, which is actually a really fun rink. I like going there. And I know she's actually like randomly turned up there a couple times good. and kids will be playing. Shiny. It's just like, that is the good doctor right there. Move over Mark Recky. No, I think like Haley Wickenheiser needs more recognition in this city. I know like she's born in Shaunavon, but Calgary's her city. She's in Toronto now, but 100%. I mean, I, I'm very curious too, if you're not going with Haley, because for me, she's, there's like there's just not a counter argument to her being deserving but i'm only giving you three obviously so you have someone else in mind but for me i mean Haley wickenheiser let's be honest i mean i will argue like i don't potentially someone surpassed her in terms of the goat of the women's game at this point i don't know but i know that like what she meant to people my age i mean i'm 38 now um like she was the first superstar who really really transcended um her going over to europe to play like all She's the of first that. woman to score a goal in a men's pro league Completely. in Finland. Yeah. Um, and I just think like she is, you know, when we talk about trailblazers, like she's a real trailblazer and she's so important to the women's game. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I, all of these are good answers, but you're picking someone else, which I'm fascinated by. I don't know if I'm necessarily picking him over her, but it, like, you gotta, you gotta show the stamps on love. like Wayne Harris. Yeah. I mean. Those who don't know, I mean, Wayne Harris is arguably the greatest defensive player 
Not only in Stampeders history. I would yeah, also, yeah. okay, but like if you're just going like pure stamp statues, I would go Sugarfoot over. Sugarfoot's the coolest story as far as the Stampeders. Sugarfoot is a guy so. who I think was... like there's a lot you could play in there, but even just like the Marilyn Monroe stuff, I think there's yeah. a lot of potential there just for making it a destination and a talking point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly just am. Kidding. A, the, you still probably could do that for Flutie too. This is where my like <laughs> CFL bias comes in. And I honestly think that the Stampeders should have like a park with five statues. Um, which is cheating. Um, I think about it like so many of the greats for them kind of like the eras bleed into each other. If you go from like the Flutie to Wally all the way up to Bo and Dave, there's just, it's so intertwined. It's like, it's hard to pick out one. No one wants to hear it, but Bo is the only quarterback to win two great cups with the Stampeders. Like there is a very good argument that he is the greatest Stampeder um, and that he should have, have a statue. It's too early for that. I'm not saying that. But It is not too uh, late, though, to change the schedule to give the Ticats a game in Calgary. It is too late for that. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to not take shots at the CFL head office while doing this. Like just for once in my life, I'm just going to try to not criticize them uh, for two hours. Personal growth. Uh, it's it, I'm trying. Um, but no, I, I like that. I mean, oh, again, look at that. A murderer's row. Oh man. That's how I know we got professionals here. A ring, a ding dong yeah. dandy. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I, I, I would like to figure out a way to get Haley in here as, uh, as well. Uh, so the three statues thing is kind of like, it's an arbitrary number that I don't know that I necessarily need. It makes it very hard because then you start to think about how many people have impacted so many things. Are you going just for an athlete? Are you going for a builder type like Doug Mitchell, who ended up making sure a lot of teams and events were being held in the city, architects of the 88 Olympics. Totally. Little Liz Manley. I I don't know that much about Liz Manley. She was the sweetheart of the 88 games, Danny. Okay. I know. I I should know more about that. Um, (laughs) No, she is the sweetest person. (laughs) Sweetest person. We have about... 15 minutes here before Rob is going to join us from Ottawa, um, which, you know, it is his his show ostensibly. So um, this is not a coup. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, I will say that Solon Valji has, has asked me to speak French and no. Um, him and Joyen um, McKenzie from The Athletic. Both. Oh, we are also being told to go get some. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Little noodle too. I'm going to mess with some pad thai after this. I love that. Um, I had a massive breakfast before coming here. Um, yeah, I, I've eaten very well today. Um, it's St. Patrick's Day. I, I may have a green non-alcoholic beer this afternoon. Um, but who do you think? Okay. First question. MVP for the Flames this season right now. Tyler Toffoli. Really? Okay. No hesitation. Over as. Rasmus Anderson would be my argument. I can see why you'd argue him. I also thought he was a bit of a snub for the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. I'm still sticking with Toffoli. Okay. Um, has that changed over the past couple of weeks? I mean, because he's come up clutch um, a number of times over the last couple of weeks. Has that impacted? You know, he, he basically won them in a shootout. I don't have the schedule ahead of me so i'm trying to not say the wrong teams um but obviously scored with four seconds left um you know four point has, has this last two weeks sort of really solidified that for you oh absolutely were you thinking it before yes okay yeah so it's why ras for you um i mean to be honest I, I particularly just i i think he has emerged as a true number one defenseman and, and he's a do-it-all guy and there are often times where i feel when raz is at his best that's when i feel most confident about flames like i think when he is really going that he's he's he is what stirs this this sort of flames milkshake that's not an expression i don't think stirs the soup stirs the, stirs pot. the soup stirs the pot stirs yeah the whatever it is um or milkshake why not you can go milkshake um and i just honestly like i i think right now he he topped out highest um and i think that it he's he's so important on the power play i i, I just everything about i i think that he's their best player um but I also don't mind Toffoli. And to be honest, like like you, I wouldn't have said two weeks ago, I wouldn't have had Toffoli really in my conversation. Um, I might have had Backland in that conversation. I don't really know that I want to make that argument. But it has been. I mean, the points matter. And it the points in the standings matter. And we're, we're looking right now, I guess. So, um, yeah, he's leading the team in points. All right. There's um, Razzie with a team leading four game-winning goals. Really have four game-winning goals? Huh. There you go. Um, that he also really... could. Uh, I think his uh, career best for regular season points. I also don't have that number in front of me. I believe it's fifty four. He could. He could get there still. Yeah, but nearly thirty goals. I mean, it's it's interesting that for so long. To your point, a little bit about Kadri. For so long, it was like game by game, either Kadri or Toffoli had the had the team leading goals, and now Toffoli's so far ahead, which sort of tells you a lot about um, the way both players are are producing right at the moment. But yeah, I mean, I I love Toffoli as an answer, and ultimately, like they needed the points that he's basically secured them with his production over the last couple of weeks. So, if they sneak into the playoffs and he keeps this up, I I would sort of agree that there's it's hard to make a counter argument. I think he's actually probably been more consistent than when he was acquired last year because, like, remember, hot off the start, dried up, and now when they're in a position where like they need to be winning these games, he's coming up for them in a situation where he last year might have disappeared a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do. And a think Daryl guy. He said, I mean, I, I would, my colleague, Wes Gilbertson at the Sun and the Herald, I, I don't know who else has written about it, to be perfectly honest with you, but he did write today about how Toffoli after the game last night was like, yeah, to all you people, like I saw you questioning whether I was a first line player. And I certainly think he's proven this year. I mean, certainly on this Flames team, he's not just a first line player, but is, yeah, um, is, is a bit of a star. I, I, I would have agreed that he, if the All Star game was now, he would be my, I picked for the team. Um, second question. What do you think of uh, the Stetcher fellow? Troy from Richmond? He, did you see his fight last night? 
no um I, I like this guy he's got he's got an attitude to him that i really think that like the flames need and like he fought angry which i don't like he really really looked like he wanted to fight and wanted to take take his opponent's head off so you appreciate I, the rage because usually when lucic does it you can tell when he's like giving a guy an out he's like are you sure you want it are you sure you want it who was it in winnipeg where he actually stopped like he came in with a swing and then he just let him go yeah now so I you mean, do like to see uh yeah. Passion just take over. I just I, I do think that Stetcher has has added something uh to this defensive core. Um and that sort of feeds into my bigger it's question. It's an upgrade. Is, yes. Yes. We said let's leave to Foley and Raz out. And sort of why I was bringing up Stetcher was it was just he feels like that's important coming down the stretch. Like he feels like he's gonna be an important addition. Um who do you think is the most important player for the Flames? Not named Jacob Markstrom, Rasmus Anderson, or Tyler Toffoli for these for this last stretch of games if they're gonna make the playoffs. Last stretch of games. It's a bit of a ridiculous question. Like, it's a very sports writer question, and I recognize that because, like, what does important mean? Um, but I'm more just, like, looking for your opinion on it. Oh, well, if we were looking for something that would completely change the perception of this team and the tide of the season, if Jonathan Huberto got hot now, yeah, what would we all be saying a week from now if he's able to string together some points in these next couple games, timely yeah. ones? If that second line in general, I think, gets yeah. going, um, and Huberto is such a big part of that, Um and seems to be so excited to be playing on on the left wing. Um, so yeah, I don't. I, I I mean, I think luck. Who is it for you? I would have said Huberto. Um, I, it's you know for for the sake of good podcasting, I probably should come up with a different uh, answer. Um, but look, I, I, to be honest, I think Huberto, the future of this franchise, um, right now for the next five to six years, rests on Jonathan Huberto finding his game again. Um, that's likely with the production that he has is not a is not a tradable contact contract it's not a movable contract um so you're paying him to be an 100 point player or somewhere close and and, and this production does not cut it long term i also think he's had i think all of us in the media have really simply i think he's had a really tough year i think all of us have sort of come to realize how hard it must have been to to get traded here and that's not a knock on calgary but he had a life he, he presumably Thought he was going to be a Florida Panther for a long time. He was coming a off a really cool blue car. Yeah, coming off the season of his career, and I think that that affected him. I, I certainly think that there were things earlier in the season. Um, Sutter was quite openly critical of him. I I don't think he's had an easy time, so I think that there's a lot of sympathy towards him, um, and a, a belief that a little bit of patience w- is merited here, um, and that even if it doesn't come together this year, I, I, I don't think you're going to see Jonathan Hebert you know, get sort of crucified um, publicly in the media. Um, but I also think that that does not mean that this level of production is acceptable going forward. You know? No, well, he, like he's not delusional. No. He knows that this isn't good, not even close to good enough. He's pretty honest and vulnerable about no, he's the, what he's, he's going like through, which is guy. why you also don't want to like try to crucify him or anything. And I think part of that is why we saw Brad not make a lot of moves at the trade deadline. He he said it like this team went through a lot of changes over the summer, more change. Well, isn't think, necessarily going to help. And I never thought Mackenzie Weger was bad, but we're finally seeing him no, really, honestly, really take a step like, forward in his game. I think he's I think been he's, one of their better defensemen the last little while. Like, obviously, he's coming off a career best offensive year. Those numbers haven't been there. He finally gets a goal last night. But I think he's starting to look like that guy again, though. Um, I, I, I really, really liked his game um, for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, you, you have to stay patient. And I think that I can sometimes, you know, I'm a big I'm a big soccer fan and I play FIFA and there are times when I'm like watching Arsenal and I forget that it's not FIFA and that it actually is human beings. Um and um I was told by a Twitter follower that I had to talk about Arsenal. So I, I will that. just acknowledge that they lost and we will move on. We're gonna win the league. 
um, I may go to London too if we win the league. But um, yeah, come on, you Reds. Um, Ted Lasso season three is out. Good. Uh, the Gunners are going to win the league. That's all I have to say about it. Um, I do know that Rob Kerr is is currently. I mean, I, I can see him on screen. I'm not sure if we're we're ready to throw to him or are we doing that? Yes, we are. Rob Kerr. Hello. Kevin Hodgson. Hello, guys. Hello. Does this is this thing on? Hello. Oh, they're Hello. sharing headphones. Isn't that sweet? It's you guys, like a road trip in 2002. No, it's a lack of a splitter in 2023, <laughs> right? I should know better. And and then I also figured out when you were there that it's really important for the people to have headphones so that they can hear everybody. And I just don't look at them blankly when somebody asks them a question which they can't hear. Can I just say that That's this is already a better show than mine? Like I, I'm not coming back. I don't believe. No, that. this show. You're just you're butter. You guys yourself. are America's sweethearts. That's what this is. Uh-huh. This is this is like, we're you guys are never going to do this again. <laughs> the curling beers are making me feel like a discount Ryan Pinder today. Oh no no no! Nobody's a discount Ryan Pinder. There's only one discount Ryan Pinder. That's Ryan Pinder, <laughs> right? Um, how is Ottawa, guys? It's one of my favorite cities. I'm kind of jealous that you guys are there. Uh we are floating right now. It's been so amazing. We are floating. Our, I got. Got asked though, Cammy, have you already adjusted the chair to your settings and all that? Like Rob, who you've got that chair set to Cammy height. You're spray painting over the just a game with Rob Kerr, just a game with Cammy Kepke. Like you're looking comfortable in that chair. A little too comfortable. Apparently, I was about three miles away from the microphone earlier. We're <laughs> figuring out. I'm kind of want to go through all the stuff. I see some smelling salts. I want to see if they're full. Well, see, okay, that's the part I'm a little disappointed about is you guys didn't go into my trickle tunk, uh, tickle trunk, trickle tunk. No, trickle what is that? Fifty minutes left in the show. We have Anywho, to but like, where's my classroom champions jersey? Where's my, uh, you know, uh, Red Dodging Horse Ranch? You know, anyway, you left all uh, the dime store pinder stuff up. Um, no one told me I was supposed to change that. That's um, part of the dude, and and you also know you have to vacuum after, right? I gotta earn your keep. You know what? If if vacuuming is what I have to do to come and talk to the great Rob Kerr, (laughs) I'm happy to do so. I want to ask you guys something because I know we're going to talk about the the tournament you're playing at and just what the experience has been like for the kids. But a member of the superheroes family has received a very great honor in Mm -hmm. Vicky Hall. Why don't you tell me about what what the different side you see of Vicky, uh, not as a reporter? but as a mom and what she's done in this community. Oh, you know what? So I first, first time I met Vicky was a couple years ago when I got to phone her to tell her AJ was going to be a hockey player and the line went silent and she hung up on me <laughs> and I thought, Oh, oh, like, you know, Cammy, you've known me for a little while. Sometimes I can say things or I, you know, I'm kind of, it's, it's not beyond me to have said something and offended somebody. And I'm like, how could I have done this in like 12 seconds? And she texted me back to say, I'm crying. I, I, I can't talk right now. I'm crying because, you know, my son gets to be a hockey player. And the Vicky I knew that was the journalist was, I got a story to write. I'm on a mission. Here I go. And wasn't afraid to ask tough questions. And here she was lost for words. And so 
when I heard when went when I heard, and you know, I'm somebody who doesn't know her as well as you guys do. Her, she's going in the Hall of Fame, and then I didn't realize until today she was the first woman to go. I thought, how perfect that Vicky Hall is the first woman to go into the CFL Hall of Fame because she is so passionate about sports stories. She's so passionate about all this stuff, and then you see her as a mom, and it all makes sense because that passion is all there. That, that is such a great day for her, and such a great day for for her and AJ to celebrate together and couldn't happen to a finer, finer person. The only thing I'll add, it's a great day for Canadian football as yeah. well. Um, right. Vicky, Vicky, you know, I'm, I'm obviously part of that community and Vicky has, you know, she was honestly someone who I tried to emulate when I was getting started. Uh, she was a great role model for me. And it's just, it's a little embarrassing that we haven't had any women in the hall of fame. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that this is the first step in, in getting so many women who have been involved, but um, you know, she's, She's so important and, and just such a, a wonderful both reporter and person, as you said. So just, you know, it's great for all of us. What's cool for me is that when I started in Edmonton, she was there covering the Eskimos and Joanne Ireland was covering the Oilers. So I got to work with around them and just ultimate pros, right? They, they, you can't, and you know this, both of you know this, there are some people in our business that you can't not learn from just by being around them they they make you better their presence the way they handle themselves at professionalism and then we, you know we both end up here and, and she's had the duel you know covered the cfl covered the nhl um just i've got so much time and respect for her as a craftsperson in the job that she does because she's so good at her job and her questions were always crisp and everything and you know we say this all the time about people going into the well we wouldn't say it about brian hall um, no ego, none, right? Like Vicki Hall has no ego. She just does her thing better than anybody else. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that I, I know this is something, I mean, Cammy and I hike and do all sorts of things, but it's something we do talk about and not to pump, you know, the Calgary sports media community too much, but um, I was very fortunate that people like that when I came in, it was like, oh my God, this like Titan Vicki Hall and was willing to sort of, you know, even though at times we worked with competition, like Vicky was never, never acted like she was bigger than me, was always if I had something to ask. And like, she probably doesn't even remember. It would be at like small little amateur sports events and I could ask her a question and she'd help. And I, I do think that it's, it's, it's an amazing thing about the sport community in general, whether it's you, Rob, whether it's Vicky. I mean, there's just a long, a long line of people who have been open and receptive and helpful to those of us who, when we were younger, were breaking in. And, you know, Vicky's right at the top of that list. So, yep. so yeah. Funny. I know I've mentioned James Waters a couple times. Uh, we were talking to Derek Dennis earlier, Rob and Kevin. I don't know if you were listening, but uh, talking to Waters, he no. said like those <laughs> those incredible we stampeders. We, we were on the bench, <laughs> winning. I hope. But he was talking about those amazing teams, and he said that like a big part of that winning culture is that nobody is gatekeeping information. And I think with reporters like Vicky and many others in Calgary, they're so, even though there's competition, they're so down to help you do better and tell yeah. more fulsome stories, which is important when that scene is shrinking kind of across Canada. Absolutely. But to the game, how's the tournament going? How's Harrison yeah, the goalie? Can you start by just kind of telling for people who may be listening, just, you know, tell us about what you guys are doing there. Yeah. So there's a well-established program out here in Ottawa called the Capital City Condors. They've been doing an ad adapted hockey. This is their 15th season. And so when, when superheroes kind of joined the mix and joined the family, we found them. And uh, so, you know, everybody's got a COVID story. This trip was supposed to happen right before COVID. Two days before the trip was supposed to happen is kind of when, you know, everything fell apart. So these families have been waiting 
for a couple of years, three years for this trip to happen. So it's it's a collection of kids from mostly Calgary, but we also have Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Regina represented, who are all playing on superheroes. So they play in their separate cities, separate programs, have come together to form a team to come and be part of this tournament. So there's eight teams out here from all over Ontario. We're the only team from outside of Ontario. And for us, it's our kids' first experience being in a tournament. It's our parents. For some of them, it's their first exposure to a hockey tournament. And for some of them, what's really neat is it's closing the loop. We've got one guy, Logan. Um, his brothers both play AAA elite hockey. They've been doing the tournament thing forever. And now big brother Logan at 20 years old gets to gets to do that for the first time. And so him and my, you know his mom's out here with them. And so everybody's getting that experience. And I think the neat part is this is a tournament with no scouts, nobody checking ice time, no nonsense. It's just kids going out and playing and having fun. And the parents were grinning ear to ear on the bench because this is a dream fulfilled. This is a this is a club that they thought their kids weren't ever welcome into. This is a club they thought they as parents weren't supposed to be in. And it and it but it's also a reminder how small the hockey world is. You know, Mark Castlick plays for the Senators, but he used to you know, he used to be part of Superheroes with the Volunteers. So who comes in and tells the kids the starting lineup? But Casty, right? He rolls in and and a lot of our players, you know, they were nervous and excited at the first, same time. They've never done this before. And and players living with disabilities and special needs, nervous comes out in very different ways than the rest of us because we they don't have the ability to say I'm nervous. And so they were some of them were struggling. And he rolled in and told the story of his first game in the NHL and being nervous and being excited and how his teammates got him through it. And how his coaches said, I believe in you and all that kind of stuff washed it all away for our kids. And they went, if he can do it, I can do it. And they went out there and yeah, you know, Rob Kerr's two and O behind the bench and uh, he's ready for a hall of fame nomination. But, but the neat thing about tournaments like this, the hockey gods reward the kids who need the puck on their stick, the hockey guards, gods reward the kids who need to put that puck in the net who have that, you know, have those amazing experiences and, and the kids got them today. And we're all just, we're all just floating. The the kids are all at Dairy Queen now, you know, as we do hockey tournaments, right? Play two games, go eat ice cream. So they're all there doing that and we're missing out on ice cream. So no better reason to do it. Well, there's so many little things you talked about experiences that they might not otherwise get. Sometimes it is the little thing like the team meal or even riding on the bus as a team to the rink. Yeah. So let me tell you. So I mentioned Logan, right? So Logan, Logan is our oldest player on this trip. And I mentioned he has two brothers to play and an original. Yeah. And he's original superhero. But he said, so you've got two buses, right, Kevin? And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, a player's bus and a parent's bus. Because in his brother's hockey, that's what happened. Hadn't even thought of that. So that's what we did. We left all the parents behind at the hotel. The coaches and kids rode on the bus, left the parents at, at their hotel and the bus came back and got them. A, a hundred little things that we never think of till the players mention it to us. And it's so impactful for him. He's 20, almost 21 years old and he got to ride a player's bus for the first time. So many players take that for granted. And so many people, you know, there might be the odd person listening going, why does that matter? Well, if you had seen Logan sitting on the bus with just his teammates and his coaches riding the bus, it meant that he was just the same as his two brothers. And the down syndrome didn't define him. What defined him was that he had the C on his Jersey going out and leading the team out onto the ice. I mean, that, 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 that's what this is all about, right? And he's, he's sitting right up front. Like, he's established himself in the front row. That's where the captain in for that game was going to sit. Um, just to piggyback off what my buddy said, um, we had three parents come to us this morning and go, 
they're not sure they want me on the bus. You know, is it okay if I come on the bus? And we went and talked to the players and the players said they were okay. So we were able to disconnect that connection and allow player to be player, parent to be parent. We got a great photo. Like the, the bus was one thing, but the parents sitting outside in the rain watching the bus, it was right out of slap shot. Like we were going to take, you know, sledgehammers and start banging it, make it look mean, right? Like it was, Bussy gave it two big honks when we left and everything. It was, it was perfect. It was really perfect. So you have Ottawa Senator, former Calgary Hitman Captain Mark Castellet coming to read the lineups. You also got a pretty big assist from the uh, Calgary Wranglers Captain Brett Sutter. We sure did. He, uh, so as you can imagine, for so many reasons, the Sutter family and superheroes go hand in hand. They were actually our very first funder when this was just an idea, right? And uh, Daryl has hosted kids at games. Chris Sutter's our captain, hangs out with players all the time. And when Brett was playing his thousandth game, um, the HL, the Flames told him they were giving him $10,000 to donate to a charity. And he, he knew our kids were going on this trip. And he said, let's make sure everybody goes and has a great time. So, yeah, so he helped subsidize the cost of getting everybody out there. And, and the kids know that. They all know the story. They all know Brett. They all know that he wanted them to be there and that the Sutter family was rooting for him and all that. And so it, it really made it possible for us to, to make this a special experience for the kids. You know, have the bus instead of parents, you know, getting a rental car and doing their own thing. Stay in the same hotel, you know, have team meals together, do all those sorts of things that, you know, like you said, make make trips special and make people remember them for the rest of their lives. The kids and families will remember for the rest of their lives the first one. The first one's always the most special one. And without Brett and without the Flame Foundation and the Wranglers, you know, I don't know if we'd be here, to be honest with you. So it's been really, really powerful. Is it? I mean, you mentioned this is an experience they'll remember for, for the rest of their life. Is that is that ultimately the goal? Is that the most important thing, that they just, just leave with something that, you know, is deeply meaningful and that, that they'll remember forever? You know, you know what, Danny? The best way I can put it is we had 15 kids out there today who all live with different disabilities. Um, there wasn't a disabled player on the ice today. They were just hockey players. All that other stuff, all the other identifiers, all the other labels, all the other things, you know, that kind of stuff that maybe they live with during the week or as parents, you know, they're the parent of a child with special needs, um, all that language. It was gone. Um, what walked into the rink was eight teams of hockey players, proud of their jerseys, proud of their teams, proud of their coaches. They're all playing together, and everything else was gone. And that that is the objective. This Events like these are equalizers. Events like these put everybody in the same place. Our kids think they there's no difference between them and Mark Kasselik. He plays hockey. I play hockey. I play on a team with red, white, and black jerseys. He plays on a team with red, white, black. The only difference is the name of his team. That's what this is about because it's a population of kids and families who, whether it's happening or not, they feel like people are looking at them. They feel like people are questioning what's going on. They feel like they maybe don't connect with everybody or people don't understand. They were in a building full of people who understand. They were in a building full of people who value them and care about them. And and they have a shared experience and a shared story. And today, the chapter we wrote was hockey was the shared. It wasn't about anything other than that. And, and you know, superheroes could die tomorrow. And, and we would have said that we achieved a very important objective. But the great part is this is just the first of many, 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 many opportunities for our kids and making sure that they get a chance to do this. And what we learned is this is just the scout team. All 15 of these parents were all told by the other superheroes' parents who didn't go, 
let us know how this goes. We want to check this out and see how this goes. So I'm pretty sure when I get back to Calgary, I'm going to get emails going, when's the next one we're in? You know, the scout team is going to tell them that this was as special as we, we thought it was going to be, and it's just going to grow from here. There must be some amazing friendships that form through this type of experience, eh? It, it, it's beyond friendships in some ways, Danny. Like, um, some of our kids know each other. You know, some of them do Special Olympics together. Some of them um, do different community activities. But some of them have never met each other. And when they, when, they, when they connect, they connect in a very different way because it's about safety and it's about acceptance. About, you know, all these words that we throw around happen here. And even on the ice, um, <laughs> we've got this one little guy, Jager. And when I say little guy, like, you could fit him in your pocket. And the team we were playing today, some of their players are in their 30s. And, and, you know, the, the one guy was six foot two, two thirty, and Jager ran into him. That guy went down. And the first thing Jager did was look at him, say, are you okay? You know, I mean, Jager bumps off him like a fly on a windshield, but Jager stopped to make sure every time players ran into each other, they stopped and helped each other up and they made sure everybody was okay. And we had one, one of our girls um, on the autism spectrum, the whole thing got kind of overwhelming. She needed to step off the ice go to the dressing room and listen to Nickelback. Everybody who says what they say about Nickelback, Nickelback is what, what settles her and soothes her. But one of the players from another team, a young man with Down syndrome, um, not even very verbal, he came up to me and said, is she okay? Yeah. And I said, yeah, she's going to be okay. And that is the empathy that exists within this community, and that is the level of caring. So, yeah, they made friends, but they also, it, it, it's beyond that. It's it's genuine and it's truthful and and all that kind of stuff. And the, the beauty of this population, there's not a lot of fluff. There's not a lot of, this is a podcast where we can swear, right? Absolutely. There's, there's not a lot of bullshit to it. None. They're, they they have their sniffer about, and Cammy, you've been around these kids. You know, they sniff you out right away if you're good or not, if you're caring or not, if you're real or not, if you're genuine. And it's beautiful to watch these mm. kids do it with each other. And it's beautiful to let watch the parents let the kids do it. It's, it's, um, one, one of our coaches with us, he looked at me, he goes, this stuff makes me want to be a better person. And this is the guy that founded Heroes 25 years ago and has made all this. And he's going, I got to be a better person. You know, like this is what it does to people, right? Just the changes you see in the kids too. And what it, it just shows you what sport can do for a person. Danny, the first time I ever covered superheroes, I was interviewing some of the kids and like interviewing kids is just generally kind of tough. And there's this uh, Noah the goalie. Noah the goalie wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> That's but why I'm looking like, over my shoulder. He's supposed to pop in at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like Noah, um, Noah is not really huge on eye contact, not very talkative. And uh, we got through it. But then like I came back a season later and not only did he remember me, but he came up to me and asked to be interviewed. Didn't even know what the story was. It was like, heck yes. Well, it's Get just- in here. And now like, Kevin, like you said if it ended tomorrow – you achieved so much, but it's not ending tomorrow. And since especially winning the Willie O'Ree award, we've seen huge demand and growth. So can you tell us what the demand is like for programs like this across Canada right now? Yeah. Well, and even yesterday we were talking with some guys from Montreal who, who want our help kind of, you know, looking at how they can expand what they're doing there. I mean, the, the interesting thing about demand, like when we talk about demand and hockey participation, you know, it's it's easy to go after the Hockey Canada participation levels. We know that those numbers are shrinking. What, but what we're learning about these families is they weren't looking for the game because they had a perception that there wasn't a place for them in the game. 
So they weren't looking. So we had to go find them. And even when you meet these kids and the families, we say, did you know your kid can play? They go, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, my, my kid is in a wheelchair or my kid is, the, you know, this, my kid's that. And we say, no, they can play. And they don't believe you because for so long they've been conditioned to think there wasn't a place. And so what happens is once you, you reach a tipping point, once you get to like eight, 10 families, then the word spreads because these are families that have to support each other. They have to build their own community and the word gets out. And then, then you're getting messages from everywhere. I mean, you know, if, if, if money was unlimited and volunteers were unlimited, I'd have superheroes programs in every small town, every big city, everywhere, because there just isn't a place and it's a gathering place and it's a, community but a lot of it is education and outreach and saying it is possible for your kid to to play i mean the hardest working person on the ice today in our second game was a coach who pushed one of their players around who who needed to be in a wheelchair and the and there was enough snow on the ice the wheels weren't turning so he was he was pushing this this chair against the snow without the wheels turning and he was keeping up with the play he was going and this is this is what yeah this is yeah there you go this but this is what it brings out in people that, that's the amazing yeah. part. Um, you know, I've one of our coaches that's here with us today, Daria, she played, you know, U sports hockey through MRU for five years. It's killing her knowing that the, the, the Cougars are two hours down the road. Um, but, she, you know, for her, she said to me, she goes, this was the best hockey tournament I've ever been a part of. And she was at the Nationals three years ago when MRU <laughs> yeah. was about to win it and COVID ruined it. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. And it just it, – it, it brings up the best in everybody, but it, you know, the, the growth part is is partly educating families and saying there is a place for your kid to play. There is a place for your family in our community, and uh, it's, it's opportunities like this to build our community, grow our community. Also, a shout out to the Mount Royal Cougars, yeah. toppled the number one ranked Toronto Varsity Blues at the national championship. There, there might be a story here you might want to ask about. Um. Is there a story we can ask about? Where are you going tomorrow? I mentioned. Where am I going to be, and where are you going? So, so I mentioned that that it's killing Coach Daria to not be there, seeing because she 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 got to help coach the Cougars a little bit this year. So we are going to go. So and then of course, so many Cougars have volunteered to hear us. So tomorrow night, some of the players are going to the Senators game. Some of the players don't want to go to the Senators game, so they're going to a trampoline park. And Coach Rob is going to go to the extreme trampoline park and be jumping Don't around. Don't forget your helmet, Rob. <laughs> and Are you going to be bouncing, Rob? I'll send pictures. I, I'm bouncing right now. Okay. <laughs> and uh, oh, hey, there we on. go. There you go. This is the let me tell you about my best friend headphones. <laughs> <laughs> and Coach Derry and I are leaving the game as soon as our game ends. And we're driving to Montreal to go cheer for the girls because they've always been there for heroes and superheroes. And so we're going to go and make sure we're cheering for them. So Heck yeah, and they deserve more recognition. They've got Tatum, Amy, Canada West Player of the Year, first team All Star nationally. Emma Bergeson, first team All Star nationally. Caitlin Ross was snubbed. I think she should have gotten some recognition as a goalie. But and shout out to Brianne Trotter for scoring that game winner to take down Toronto yesterday. Let me talk about Trotter just a little bit. Oh so, please, regale us. So well, she's been she's been with Heroes since she was a freshman at Mount Royal, and. Trotter is Trotter is that person who's really quick to deflect, and she is that young lady who's very self-deprecating and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this year she was injured. She had, she didn't play until like February, and um, you know so she was coming out to Heroes all the time, all the programs, all that kind of stuff. 
And and I said to her a few times, I said, you're you know you're gonna be back soon. And and uh, she goes, oh, you know, they've been winning without me. They probably won't have me in the lineup, and you know all this kind of stuff. I think trying to set herself up in case that's what happens. And she scored a big, big goal in the regular season that, that, that meant a lot to their playoff position. And then when Daria, Daria was kind of keeping track of the game on her phone and she goes, Trot's got it. Bree got the goal. And, and I was excited for her, like a proud uncle. And she's just this kid who's been volunteering for us. Like when I talk about the hockey gods, sometimes reward the white people. Trotter deserved that because she worked her tail off. And, you know, when you're talking about an NHL player and you can salute somebody who's getting paid a lot of money to rehab a long injury and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, she's going to school with a brace on her knee and then she's coming to Heroes and tying skates and then she's going and doing her rehab. Like, they don't have the resources. Like, you know, she she was doing it for her teammates. She was doing it for her sister who aged out of Mount Royal and didn't get a chance to do this. She She's doing it for a younger sister that she plays with. She is everything that's right about women's hockey, but everything that's right about hockey. And but to the all it looks like is she's a, a, a kid walking around with a brace, you know what I mean? And she, you know, she's the definition of grind. And to see her get rewarded and score that goal, because the easy, easy thing would have been that Tatum got it. You know, Tatum's the player of the year, the humanitarian of the year, the everybody you want your family to meet of the year. Like <laughs> she's the total package on that respect. And and she's volunteered at Heroes for six years too. But Trotter deserved that goal. And if you can't feel good about that kid scoring that goal for her team, because nobody deserved it more than her. And and Daria and I phoned her last night in her hotel room. And I said, you should be sleeping by now. She goes, you think I can sleep? Like <laughs> she was back to being an eight-year-old girl who had scored a big goal for her team. And, and you've got to celebrate that. And you've got to salute that. And somebody's going to do it for the UFC too. They start, right? The UFC yeah, men are out there. Quarterfinals. They're playing a UPEI, the... Anthony. Former school of uh, Joel Ward. So you guys have me really, really hyped up right now. So I do want to check. Can I watch these games from Calgary? Yeah. Ours? No, no. Ours. Well, I, I was Who's more of the MRU games, but yeah. I mean, if I can watch yours, I'd love to it's as on well. Gem. Is it oh. on yeah, CBS? Yeah, you can watch okay. it for free. Not about us? <laughs> no, I, I would love to watch your My games. My name is right there. Like, seriously. <laughs> uh, no, I believe you can, right? You for can sure. watch the university ones, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, no, like, should definitely watch them. The women are in Montreal. The guys are on Prince Edward Island and Metropolitan Charlottetown. Say hi to Dion and Alicia for us. And, and I don't I don't know why this happened, but it did. The head coach of the Ottawa Gigi's watched us play and came in and talked to our kids after the game. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you, you sports has been so great. Like, UBC volunteers with our kids. U of A volunteers with our kids. Like, U sports, there's some connection there that that it just makes sense. And again, it brings out the best of these university age kids. I've always said, there's on paper, they're supposed to be out getting drunk or be hungover. And where are they on weekends? They're with Jagger and Thomas and all the kids you see in that picture. That's where university athletes are spending their Sunday mornings is volunteering to teach the game and inspire kids to play the game. Right? We. We could go on and on, I could, but we have to celebrate you, sports players. No, I, I'm honestly this whole this whole last half an hour having you guys on. I mean, a hockey culture, to be honest, can be exhausting at times. I mean, there's been stuff this week that has been, you know, makes it makes it pretty hard to to just kind of like celebrate the sports. So I, I I love this conversation because we are, you know, getting remind. You need those reminders sometimes about all the amazing, inspiring things that are happening through not just you know just through sport in general, but also you know there's people like you guys who are 
giving so much of your time. And, and well, yeah, I just want to point out, Gab. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, Gab's doing an amazing job of grabbing some tweets and stuff like that. And and the first one you saw was Logan, who we were talking about. So, and but I wanted if you guys, yeah, there you go. That's Logan. He was our captain for the yep. first game. And um, what's cool is that he then chooses the captain and the assistants for the next game, right? Awesome. So, you know, that that's kind of neat in the way they go about it. And he did that real good job. But I want to ask my friend a question because you guys are kind of seeing for the first time what people in Ottawa kind of saw for the first time, the new jersey. And right. Kev, let's talk about that and, and tell everybody about that jersey because we wore it for the first time. Yeah. So – you know, like uh, Danny, to your point about hockey culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the frustrations for me over time is there's a whole lot of people that will talk about it and will criticize what's not being wrong, uh, done right. But we, we got to start doing stuff. There needs to be action items. And I think sometimes people get intimidated that they have to be huge. You know, you've got to host a summit or you've got to be the first to do this or whatever. And our kids keep asking us to do little stuff. So we had players saying to us, you know, do, when are we going to get pride jerseys? When are we going to get every child matters jerseys? When are we going to get, you know, hockey fights, cancer jerseys? And, and, you know, we have conversations with the kids that we can, as a charity, we can't afford to do all of those, but we said to them, is there something we can do that puts all of that into one? And so where we started with was a color and what color represents sort of neutrality and represents everybody and we had to remember that we also do a program in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And so we had to really think about that because color and sport go hand in hand when you're, when you're talking Ireland, Northern Ireland, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like we couldn't have, you know, I, I, we couldn't roll out to the program in Belfast, Northern Ireland with orange, every child matters jerseys because it gets seen as something different. So they had over there, they identified purple was a neutral color. So then we said, okay, a purple hero's Jersey. Then, then we figured, how do we, make sure that we're representing the indigenous communities because a third of our players across the country on the hero side are indigenous year over year. So we were able through Tyler White and Brent Dodging Horse and stuff to talk to some, some first nations knowledge keepers and elders and get their, their blessing to put the medicine wheel into our heroes logo on the chest. And then we worked with the guys from pride tape and we put the pride colors into the armbands on the Jersey. And then we, we kind of stole an idea from a guy who used to work at the hitman and, was putting together the good neighbor jersey where we wanted to get text embedded into great, the jersey. Great neighbor. great neighbor, sorry, great neighbor. And so in the body of the jersey, we asked the kids to identify four words that were most important to heroes. And it was inclusion, acceptance, listening, and understanding. And so those words are ghosted into the jersey, but it's in all six of the, mo the most commonly spoken languages for our players. So um, French, English, Gaelic, because we're in Ireland, um, Punjabi, Mandarin and Arabic. And then, but then we wanted a statement piece and the guys at pride tape said that they've been trying to encourage the NHL with those warm up jerseys to put, instead of the player's name and number, put every for the name and then the Jersey number one. So it read everyone and the NHL wasn't able to do that. So I'm a good thief. I said done. So the the purple Jersey on the back says everyone and it's so powerful. And when and so today was the first the kids were proud to wear it. But when it rolled out on the ice, it just looked good, looked right. And I had people who weren't connected to us going, that's the perfect message. Everyone. Like that's it. That that's all we need. And and so it was really neat for us to see our kids do that. And our kids were proud 
to be wearing something that sends a message to everybody. There is a place for you in our community. And if there's a place in our community, we can, then that means you're in the hockey community. And it was really a, a proud moment to see that jersey out there, knowing it was 15, 16, 17-year-old kids from low-income, multi-barrier neighborhoods all over Canada who collectively came together to design the thing. Um, I don't, you know, it's not my place to tell you what's wrong with hockey culture, to say what's lacking. It's the people who are experiencing it. And that's what the kids did. I'm happy to. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm blown that away. Next wave. Yeah. That next wave, man. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm moved by, by your description. That's amazing. And it's, it's again, this, this entire conversation is just well, inspiring. I'm and, also so, curious now, who's going to rep the C next game? Well, uh, so Logan handed it off to Naomi. Uh, Naomi and Emily and uh, Ty, and I'm missing one more. Oh, and Easton were our leadership group. So tomorrow morning, Naomi and, and her, her leadership group will hand it off to the next group, and, and they'll get the opportunity to, to represent. Speaking of Noah the goalie. Is Noah the goalie here? Ladies and gentlemen, the legend. You coming in? Noah. Come on. Come say hi. Here he comes. The legendary Noah the goalie. Right in between us, pal. Right in between us. Come here. Okay. Can you say hi to Danny and, and hi to Cammie? Hi, Noah. Cammie wants to know how you're doing. You're good? How did your game go? Did you win? Did you have fun? Yes, he had fun. They just came. Now, again, as Kevin mentioned, this is a hockey tournament. They just came back from McDonald's. So you can understand why we don't get full attention. <laughs> what you miss Noah say is, I when said, did you have fun? He said, I did, and my grandma watched. His grandma flew in from London to watch him play. So he was excited to perform for her and play for her. How is my mom doing? Our multi-sport athlete. I saw we had a picture of her up a little bit earlier. Who, who is that, Sammy? Sammy. She also, uh, one of the Heroes players, Danny, uh, she does synchronized swimming and gymnastics as well. She she does. She, and I've run into her on the ODR many a time. Yeah, and she's she was uh, she was one of our, uh, we had, there you go. She's wearing an A there um, in the jersey that we were talking about. So uh, one of our originals as well. So she she's playing some D today and made a couple of really big, spectacular defensive plays. And what the, the neat thing about Sammy, she's got a million dollar smile and you can see it right there. There's no greater smile than when that kid flashes those pearly whites. And, you know, uh, I look at her and I look at those other kids and they are so generous with the gifts that they give us. Right. They are so generous with the gifts that they give us. Um, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life when you spend a little time with these kids and allow them. You know, I say it all the time. You know, hockey is, is not a static thing. Hockey is what the player needs it to be. And today, um, and I, I have to tip my hat, Kev, uh, to the Condors, to the uh, to Energy, Energy City. Yep. Yeah. Electric City. Electric City. And the other teams there, like, you know, we score, we do a flyby by both benches. They score, they were doing a flyby by both benches. Um, you know, we had, again, some size issues. And when we had a couple of collisions, if it was our player that was the second person down, then their player was helping them up. And if they were still down, our player was helping them up. It's uh, the coaching and the, and the people around here is fantastic. My only, there's Sammy. Look at that million dollar smile right there, eh? Does oh, not yeah. get any better than that. 
And then you can take a look at that jersey too. You can see the, you can see some of what Kevin was talking about and the pieces that are in there. Um, oh yeah, was, that light, uh, the light purple, yep. pink, uh, the lettering you, is really beautiful. You got her. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, this guy here is a Willie O'Ree winner, and and he's won some other stuff. And you know, I try real hard, but what we're not is you know marketing geniuses. Uh, we we really should have probably looked at the um, retail part of this. Probably should have done that. <laughs> if I can ask you something completely random, Rob, I know uh, when you were on with Dan, you guys talked about uh, three statues yep. uh, that you'd like to see in the city. Uh, I think yep. we had one in common. Yep. I said Ed Whalen. So yep. it's not Stampede Wrestling coming nope. back, but wrestling is coming to the Stampede. AEW. AEW. Yep. If you guys. Oh, 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 look at that. Hey, look at that crew. It's Ed Whalen outside. I'm two degrees. Look at that. that I liked okay. that. But so I have to say, I uh, got to meet some of the uh, stars of AEW yesterday. The Jericho Appreciation Society, I see, was in town. Very that. Harry the Horse stirring up some trouble. If you were a wrestler, what would your gimmick be? Well, I think we've established my gimmick. <laughs> yeah, Rob is uh, a wrestler. No, I know. But I, I guess this is also pointed towards uh, Kevin and Danny. Oh, Kevin and Danny. Okay, yeah. perfect. Awesome. Jeez. Well, Rob, yeah, Rob would be the Rob. ultimate jobber. Now you can't even hear the feedback. They're agreeing with you, though. Okay, you're back. I don't know. Mine would have to be something where I won every match in about the first 20 seconds because I I really don't have the cardio to do that stuff. So it would have to be like – I'd have to be a squasher or a squashy, but I don't know what, what my persona would be. I don't know. Yeah, it's worth noting that, like, Tammy and I went cross country skiing on Tuesday, and I like literally couldn't move for forty eight hours. So, I don't know that my thing is going to necessarily be my athleticism or my like marathon matches. Uh, so I don't know, Kev. Maybe you and me can just do really short matches against one another. I'm happy to lose to you. Um, <laughs> clearly, a better person than I am. So um, yeah, so we'll just be. I don't know. We'll we'll reinvent wrestling and just make it be one move. Go in. Get the, get the one, two, no, three. No, you know, you guys think about this some more. Get back to me on another day. Yeah. I don't accept these answers. I, I, I did. did you answer the question, Cammy? Have you answered the question? Yeah. Oh. You it's haven't hard. answered the question? It'd be easy. It'd be easy. For I'd call you? myself like, yeah, I'd call myself like short stack or something. I'd get like my friend Gina, who's like the same height as me. We could enter, one of us would be on the other shoulders and we would enter the ring in a trench coat. So you think it's just one? Surprise, two of them. I'm not sure that people in trench coats should be making that um, motion. I'm just saying. Also, does that mean I get to call you Shorty C now? (laughs) That works. Tenacious C. I'll take Tenacious C. Okay, Tenacious C. That's my bowling name. I I did get on the Jimmy Kimmel show 20 years ago because they thought I was Jim the Anvil Nightheart walking down the street. Really? We have Jimmy were, Kimmel. We are have you serious? They were filming. They were filming oh. something on the street, and they said, "Has anybody told you you look like a celebrity?" And I said, "Like, oh, Tom Cruise? Like, like, what are you talking about?" And they said, "Oh, we're filming this thing, and and people that look like you know people that Jimmy, you know, will you film this thing?" And next thing I know, I'm on this video thing with Jimmy Kimmel, and and they're going. What celebrity or what what celebrity does he look like that you're a fan of? And Kimmel goes, Jim the Avalanche. And, went, and the, the one person goes, We thought it was him. And, and Kimmel goes, That's not Jim the Avalanche. But anyway, so I got made fun of on, on that. So that's my closest association to wrestling. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's unreal. Um, I mean, I was in GQ as Cammy 
reference. I don't know if I've told that story ever, but um, I'm sorry. What's GQ? Fact. Yeah. Uh, GQ Magazine, because I'm a fan of the TV show Emily in Paris on Netflix. Um, and they wanted to do an article on straight men who love Emily in Paris. So I was interviewed for it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's sort of my claim to fame at this point. Um, no photo. But yeah, I mean, it's not quite Yet. as cool as being on Jimmy Kimmel, but no. yeah, just since Cammy referenced it, I thought I'd let everyone watching uh, know that I was in GQ. So, fashionable man over here. I think a lot of the Buffalo Sabres are into Emily in Paris. I think a lot of people are into Emily in Paris. It's a really good show. Um, Does it make me old to say I don't know what show you're talking about? It's about a girl named Emily and she's in Paris. That's, are there any hobbits? Um, no, they're not hobbits. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, no, Rob, if there were hobbits, it'd be much more up my alley. Oh, I'd be, I'd be there. Does Emily go to Yellowstone? Like, yeah, does Emily oh, go to Yellowstone? No. Yellow, I don't get Yellowstone. No chance that Emmy, Emmy's, or Emily, Emmy, what's her name? Emily? Emily. There's yeah. no, no chance that Emily's fighting, like, zombies in Paris or anything. No, she mostly just gets in marketing, like, it, it solves marketing issues and then hooks up with attractive men. Uh, there's not really much more to the show than that, but... I mean, I don't know. If you guys, if you ever need something to do, I recommend to my entire audience to to watch it. Um, it's really good. Okay. Um, it's by the by the writer of Sex in the City, I believe. I don't know. There's just something about a young woman meandering around Paris that that gets me. We should move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right there, I see. Emily in Paris is for the dude. Is it Emily in Paris, or is it supposed to be like Emily in Paris? Oh. You think? I, I think it's Emily in Paris. Okay, I don't know. Oh. I, um, I am in that article um, hmm. at the very bottom. But no photo. No, it was disappointing. Did you submit one and then they just didn't use it? No, no, no. I just thought they'd go to my Instagram. Um. Anyways, let's move on from from that part of the conversation. Sports. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I just in general, I guys, this has been awesome. And uh, how many more games do you guys have? Two tomorrow, nine a.m., one p.m. All right, and you guys are you're two and zero oh so far. Is that what I'm hearing? Rob Kerr's co- so <laughs> I I'm not on the bench. Rob Kerr's coaching record is currently two and zero. Oh. He's putting it on the line tomorrow. No losers when you're having fun, Danny. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's Bad exactly man. it. No, it's it's a it's a blast. Like it, it really is. It's it's tiring and it's exhausting and it's all the fun things that that should be, but you know. The, the smiles and the laughs and, and the parents and then the whole nine yards, it's, it takes you back. It's awesome. I love to hear it. Well, um, guys, I think we'll, we'll, we're probably going to let you go here now. But um, That's it? I yeah. know for a fact that this show goes for at least another nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. I mean, we can keep going. I, I'm uh, unaware of this. It's first time hosting. Are you a big Roughnecks guy? Sorry, Kevin? Or Rob? Yeah. Well, both of you. Rob, yeah. I, I assume you're a lacrosse fan. You know who, when you talk about marketing, my 23-year-old daughter has gotten hooked on the Roughnecks since she's got over. She, is, she went from not, not knowing anything about lacrosse to a season ticket holder in three months. So there must be something to it. She, she and her boyfriend took my wife and I to a game one time. I can see why people fall in love with that sport. You're talking about Olympia McKenna Hodgson? Your friend McKenna Hodgson, yeah. For the uninitiated, Kevin's daughter went to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
She got her athleticism somewhere else. It wasn't from me. <laughs> I had no, like they have more than 16,000 tickets sold for the St. Patty's game against the Rush tonight. Calgary's second in the West. They're looking pretty good. Pretty good for having just lost one of the best points producers in team history. I'm embarrassed to say that I've still never been to a game. Daddy, um, go. It's fun. You I'm, get to yell. There's music. If you listen to the Monday version of this program, uh, Mike Board, the general manager of the Roughnecks, was on. And, I mean, I assume he's he basically said what Cammy is also saying, which, hey, this team's pretty good and worth paying attention to. No. Um, no. Bordy, you know what general managers are like. Actually, Bordy and I spent more time talking because he used to be the – he was the original guy behind CalgaryFlames.com. He was the original hire. So – and my favorite Mike Board story is in 2007 when Rodgers and the Flames did a new deal. He was a little cranky because uh, Rodgers took the uh, the video rights to highlights. And I'm like, what does it matter? But, you know, all these years later, like Bordy saw it back, way back 20 years ago, the value of the highlight and the value of, of what it could turn into. And, and uh, yeah, he's he's – Really, he's a great guy in so many ways, but it's lots of fun to talk. He was just so far ahead on so many things, and and now he's a you know what it's like to cross over from our business to actually you know running a team like that's the you know that's the unicorn who does that. I didn't even know it was an option. Oh yeah, former, former beat writer, former beat writer of the Calgary Flames. Huh. Yeah. I don't think anyone should really let me run a team, if I'm being honest with you. Like, it, I just wouldn't advise that. They would be very well-dressed. Yeah. My fantasy teams are horrible. Mm, um, so, too. yeah. See, I actually have, like, a pretty good fantasy team. Like, a couple of years ago, my mom's co-workers invited her to their league, mostly to, I think it was to pad the pot, because she doesn't follow. She follows the Flames, and that's about it. And uh, she kept on, like, I drafted a team for her. She kept, uh, this is two seasons ago, she kept benching John Tavares for Andrew Mangiapane. And she just kept saying, like, she could feel it. It was going to be good. And then Mangiapane broke out last year and she won the whole thing. Hmm. My basketball team has no heart. Um, You know, I did a really good job drafting them, but I just couldn't predict that they were just going to be lazy and not work as hard as they need to. So it's not my fault I'm in sixth place. It's theirs. Um, Well, you know how sports works, right? When players are successful... It's because they stuck with the system. When players are unsuccessful, it's because it's a problem with them. So you, as management, you get to blame it on the players. That's the thing. I do. I accept no responsibility for anything that has ever happened in any of my fantasy sports leagues. I'm just going to stick with hockey here, but like, at what level do players have to stop playing fantasy hockey? Aren't they allowed to play? Like, are NHLers not allowed to play NHL fantasy? I don't know. Like, would you draft yourself? I mean. I wouldn't. Draft would you be? Me, a, would your teammates yes. be offended if uh, you didn't draft them? I don't know. Do you guys know? I, I would never draft myself because it would be a terrible pick. But like, yeah, I think that. You, I think you, I you, that they Cabin's play. chiming in. You can do it if it's a free league. I don't think you can. You know, and he's right. NFL players do it all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Because uh, like I know that Flames have their football league, but I, I think the one football. and and Cammy and and Kevin can probably speak to this. Uh, junior hockey players and the uh, NHL, you know, whatever game, 23, 22 or whatever, are notorious for playing as themselves. Yes. As a, as a WHL billet family, I can tell you that they all, as soon as the game comes out, they go and find themselves, play as themselves, and they believe that that is, you know, if they can go out and score four goals, that's a predictor of how they're going to play the next game. And I, I, I know that NHL players play as themselves too. Yeah. 
Have you had a uh, billet or NHL player that you know who has been unhappy with their depiction in the game? Every single one. (laughs) Every single one says, I'm faster than that. I have a better shot than that. I'd never make that move, et cetera, et cetera. cetera. Every single one of them. That's amazing. I'm going to ask them about that. Honestly, like the next time we have a casual day with the Flames or the the atmosphere isn't hot, I think we need to ask. The people deserve to know. All right. We, We can let you guys go. Thanks, guys. This has been amazing. What are you Can doing? Say, well, Cammie yep. and Danny, I really appreciate you having me on your show. I think you guys are on to something here. I think this show is going to go to great heights, and I hope I get an opportunity to come back. And thank you for including Rob in, in, in your show as well. I will say sincerely. Anytime Rob, you bring want us to back on, too, please. Yeah, Cammie, we could do a show. Do a show? It'd be a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Um, that was fun. I'm really glad we did that. Those guys were awesome, what they're doing in Ottawa. I mean, what they're doing on a day-to-day basis is obviously incredible, but that Heroes Hockey uh, the, the whole operation is, you know, it warms your heart, inspires you. It's it's the best. Those guys are awesome. I'm a very cranky, cantankerous person. And when I go down there, my cheeks hurt from smiling by the end. Love it. I had to check it out. And actually, uh, Vicky's son was one of the Scotiabank skaters this year. AJ was at the Dome doing the lap of the flag. That they is the awesome. Flag. Yeah. Well, we've got about three minutes here. Um, I know you you very much brought up the, you know, the eSports stuff going on this weekend. Um, is there anything... I don't know when the next time we're going to do this. I'm sure we'll be out hiking or, or I mean, we hang out all the time. So, um, but is there anything that you just think, I don't know, anything that sports fans here in Calgary, you, you want them to keep an eye on coming up? Actually, you know what? This Sunday, uh, U18 AAA hockey, Calgary Buffaloes, uh, they're looking for a third straight title, okay. including the uh, blacked out COVID year. But they were up to nothing in their series against the Northwest Flames. The Flames went and won two straight games. And baby, that is going to a deciding game five on Sunday, I believe, at uh, 145 at Cardinal Rex. So that would be a good game to keep an eye on. Mount Royal Women's Volleyball also off to the national championship. They are the reigning national silver medalist. Going to try to change the color of that hardware. They have a fantastic team. They're led by Quinn Pellin. She's once again uh, an all-star just among all the players across our country. So they're definitely a great team to keep an eye on. If, uh, again, you want to watch some volleyball on CBC, that's nice and free. Love it. That is awesome. Um, and if you don't like volleyball, get some taste. <laughs> I mean, I like volleyball. Um, yeah, check that out. That's awesome. Obviously, I will be covering the Flames game uh, tomorrow night. Um, I will try to be there. I don't know. Is it a 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock start? Do you know? 8 o'clock start. 8 o'clock start? I Gotta, should have checked that. That's one of those Man, things. it's hard with deadlines. I've like had days where it's so tight. I've like I rushed back to the all station. All these notes didn't yeah. write down what time the game started. My computer died. Okay, <laughs> all my stats. Um, we're pros, um, but yeah, I don't it know. is an eight o'clock start. This good eight o'clock start. Um, you know, Dallas here visiting before the Flames head back to California. So um, I don't know. Lots to lots to pay attention to. They are back in the playoff race. This is a big weekend. Big week for them coming up. Um, I want to since we're wrapping up here really quickly. Thank you. Uh, you were not supposed to really be my co-host. We were just supposed to have you on for half an hour, and then you showed up early, and thank God, because I did not want to just talk on my own for 15 minutes. Um, I was dreading that. That's so. the terror of radio. It's people like who can, can talk to themselves in a box for four hours. Yeah, I feel like I'm okay at talking to people. The talking yeah. alone stresses me out a little bit. would be a little bit probably different if it was Stan Peters. Um, but either way, I want to thank you for, for, for being here. You were absolutely amazing and saved me and made the show so much better. Obviously Derek Dennis, um, honestly, just, I mean, he was great. I 
love that guy. So nice of him to come on, take time during his offseason. He said he had three kids, including one under one. So we know how busy he is. It was awesome for him to give us sort of 20 Hopefully minutes. You get to time. see the kids up in the stands this year. I know. Um, they're adorable if you, if you haven't seen them. But Derek was amazing. And then obviously Rob and Kev coming on for an hour talking about what they're doing. Um, they're busy there in Ottawa, lots of responsibilities. So just uh, really, really appreciative of that and appreciative of the opportunity. Hopefully, uh, we didn't turn too many people off here. Um, in case we are healthy, scratched from this show yeah. for the next while thank you for putting up with us but yeah welcome back let's talk more football when football season gets going so um thank you so much everyone thank you for watching thank you cammy derek rob kev producers we're good thank you bye when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.